It's the High and Wide Podcast with Brad Carlson and Damon Perrant. Triple H, Big Show, The Rock says tonight, the only two things that you two candy asses should concern yourself with is this, is your roll, know it, your mouth, shut it, and if you do that, then The Rock, the great one, Darren Dam Tease, you will smell what The Rock is cooking. Rune carries in, rolling in front of the minute shot, Dejardin following the play, and he missed the short shot, there he is again, Welcome back to another High and Wide podcast. This is episode 68, Brad. Almost there. Almost there. One what? more to your favorite what? number. Um, how's it going, buddy? It's going good. Going good. Uh, bit of a, you know exciting events that just transpired so i'm pretty <laughs> jacked about that okay we got a funny yeah, story to tell yeah. you we'll get into that uh also uh, with us of course our fantasy guru kevin schwartz how's it going How Kev? good 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 doing well uh, do we want to get right into this story let's hear a story <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. okay uh hands so, raised if you like katie perry <laughs> <laughs> so crickets here's how this goes i got an email um yesterday from universe actually it was from spotify but it it's in regards to universal music um <laughs> flagging one of our episodes of our podcast because at the end very at the end of every episode we play a song and yeah the rights issue like we don't pay for rights we're fucking podcast three jerk offs in two in manitoba one in saskatchewan like what are we doing here paying for anything like we barely pay for our beer and so uh, we got a. I guess they're doing an investigation into our podcast because we played some music, and that music was Katy Perry from season one, episode fourteen. Scotty Rintoul <laughs> suggested let's go with Hot or Cold, and we did, and it's shit kicking us now. It's actually not. We'll just have to take out the music, which is no big deal. But hilarious that Universal flagged us on on our podcast so hey brad oh, oh sorry oh i have a call coming in we, we can't have that is that okay oh, so, is that sorry. katie perry was that katie that was, perry that was my katie perry uh, phone ring there <laughs> whoops so so big thing here is universal's listening to our podcast and katie, katie perry it, is too are they having a listening party yes what's going yes. on here i love it so it's good so we drop on Thursdays. No, we yes. record Thursdays. Record Thursdays. Sometimes we Friday. drop Thursday. Most times we drop Friday. Yeah. So I got to assume Friday nights, Katy Perry, Universal Execs. 
they're all they're, sitting in a building. They're just having a party. party. Yeah. It's a high yeah, white absolutely. party. I yeah. love it. <laughs> I just <laughs> love that it's Katy Perry that's nabbing you I guys. Know. Like, of all the artists <laughs> you guys have taken music from and put on the end of your podcast, it's Katy Perry that's coming after you I guys. Know. That's fan- yeah. fantastic. It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> the one time we have like uh, a major female artist play, it's Katy like, Perry. I'd expect that of Metallica, right? You know, they've been known to yep. do the copyright stuff in the yep. past. But Katy Perry? Yeah. Really? Here's uh, now my thoughts so, on this are like we don't we don't monetize this podcast, right? Like we make no yeah. money off of it. We we've put money into it. We've yeah. had no money. This is a money losing venture. Yeah, exactly. We've lost 100% of profits from this uh, podcast. And so that's one thing. Now I do understand like content rights and, and things of that nature obviously we don't pay for the rights to be able to play these songs so it is what it is so uh moving forward we're not going to have a song at the end which kind of sucks because we like listening to the music it's that's what it's all about so that'll switch up and uh, well, maybe like- if there's uh some local musicians out there who want to send us some music that's not a bad idea that's the thing we're all about free sponsors right now yeah, yeah. People put your song on for free right now yeah. That's Any a great band idea. out there who yeah. doesn't have songs copyrighted, shoot yeah. us one of shoot us an email or hit us on Twitter. We'll throw music up. Why not? Andrew Brown, if you're listening, get your boys there, Bush, Lucky, and the Stones to throw us some tunes our way. We'd love to have that. That'd be good times. So yeah. Anyway, that was uh, that's the first little story. <laughs> Thought it was kind of funny. Carrie Perry, uh, Katy Perry, kicking us in the ass. <laughs> Here on the High Mud Podcast. Um, We got a great one for you today. We're going to be talking uh, some Masters Golf. We're going to be talking uh, NHL Trade Deadline. We got a whole bunch of other stuff. And very, very special guest to the show, uh, James Duffy joins us today, which was an awesome, awesome time. Uh, I I can't wait for you guys to hear this because it was good times. And uh, we'll be doing that a little bit later. one other thing that I kind of wanted to get into as far as like uh, just talking about the shit is I've got new golf clubs tomorrow, boys. <laughs> that time of year. Nice. I'm so, I'm so, <laughs> so stoked for this. What's I the weather so. like there? What's like the uh, snow on the ground? You yes, it's snow on the ground. Snow. It is okay. hot garbage, but it is warming up. Yeah. Snow is melting tomorrow. Uh, by Saturday, it should be gone. The local course here in Morden was scheduled to open today, yeah. actually. And that's shocking. That's about two or three weeks earlier than normal. So, yeah, yeah I know a couple guys at work were getting the clubs ready for the weekend. But I think they're going to have to wait for a few more days for that snow to disappear now. But Gear yeah, snow it is dry getting, just a little bit. We are close to that lovely time of year. I'm, I'm stoked to get on the course again. And the I, government will and the government will let us drink on the courses again. They have oh removed God. the super. You can't drink, can't be served what? beer on a course rule. It, yeah, it was yeah. the dumbest oh. thing. People complained left right. Like, why? Why stop us from drinking on the course? How does that add to COVID at all? Like, we're already sort of social distancing on the golf course. I know, like last year when I went, so, and normally every year I'll play like a round or two. Normally, because work kind of thing, we'll get out for for some tournaments and stuff like that. But uh, last year, our boy, Sean, he was like, Hey, you want to go golfing? And I'm like, yeah, I got free passes. Why don't, why don't we come out here and we'll go golfing? We golfed every weekend from like the end of September to the end of the season, which was that's beginning awesome. of November. So we so, got in some heavy golf. Go ahead, there. Go ahead, yeah. No, that's so it. Kev, what was the thoughts with not having beers on the course? Is it like, if we go golfing, are we going to share the same beer? <laughs> I think like, 
I think the argument was the pat, you know, the girl on the golf cart, you know, selling the beer, passing it, handing it over. It's just another contact point, I guess, amongst two people. But there's just, no, there's just been rules placed upon rules upon rules, and yeah. at this point, just some rules just don't make any sense anymore. Yeah, that you know, being like, one of them. Yeah, it's almost like they need to like. <laughs> wipe the slate clean and just start over with how we're approaching the, you know, some of these things, but yeah. And I don't think another argument. Yeah, it is. And I don't think any of us are in disagreement about having rules in place for COVID. I think we're all in agreement on that, but this is like, it was stupid because it's a dumb rule. And all he's doing is hurting the golf courses. Yes. I'm going to drink it on my golf course, whether you are willing to sell it to me or I am sneaking it in on my, in my bag. Yeah. So all you're doing is costing these golf courses, which are in desperate need of funds right now. Yeah. You're just costing them money. So I'm glad the yeah. government got that one straight. So you could have gone into the clubhouse, though. You could have bought, bought it some... at the clubhouse, yeah. yeah but no, okay. uh, no, no getting hit up on the fourth or you know thirteenth yeah. hole with the you know the with the beer cart. So and that's just okay. poppycock. Okay. That's, yeah. that's you got to be able to have your sandwich and a beer at Absolutely. some point. Of course. Um. So speaking of golf here bit of a bit of a humble brag here Ooh, i guess yes uh and this is going to tie into my free ad for the week uh are you gonna play this audio or what uh no i won't play the audio I'll just just tell the story okay uh so uh competing podcast of ours monday nooner podcast great podcast by the way uh running a promotion giving away a two-night stay at elkridge and yeah, four rounds of golf, and yet to uh, over the course of four episodes, they gave away their ultimate foursome. So they drop one name each week, and right. the after the first uh, name drop of the ultimate foursome went by, you could tell it was clearly just uh, uh, all for fun and games. Like week one was wind pants guy, then you had ball hunter guy, oh, and then. Yeah. Mr. Uh, mood swing guy and yep. finally dart guy. <laughs> dart, so, dart guy? Yeah. yeah, dart guy smoking darts on the course. <laughs> okay, so, so anyways, which, guy you, which guy are you on the course, Brad? Well, I ooh, I'm not ball hunter guy. I'm not I'm mood swing guy. And the I'm not even guy? that big, yeah. Yeah. I would agree. I'll, I'll be I'll be ball hunter guy. Some of the guys I play golf with aren't the greatest. So and I play with my kids too. Sometimes go help yeah. them in the bush, look for. Them. So I'm, yeah, I'll be a ball hunter guy. Never mind. Yeah. And yeah. Damon? Oh, I'm mood swing guy for sure. You're mood swing guy. Oh yeah, and big I'm, time. And I'm if I've had a bad guy. day, I'm fucking. It's I'm gonna swing as hard as I goddamn can. I don't care where the hell it's going. You're dark guy, Kevin. I'm, oh, I'm definitely the dark <laughs> yeah, guy. Yeah. Right <laughs> there's on. Always, yeah. There's always something hanging out of my mouth. <laughs> Not much, pretty much. So all we need to do is find somebody uh, who has a pair of uh, what was it, windbreaker pants to join the yeah. group. Well, exactly. Pants guy doesn't yeah. make sense. What about like ultra competitive guy? Uh, I'm sure that could have been. I'm sure they've talked about that as well. Right? Big time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. Anyways, I found out like 35 minutes ago that I won this trip. So that's dope. Uh, yeah. So uh, Elkridge is a fantastic four yes. season resort in absolutely uh, up uh, kind of northern ish Saskatchewan, northern for where yeah. most of the population lives but it's still very much central Saskatchewan, but uh, it would be quite equivalent to Clear Lake for the Manitoba listeners. Ooh, and Clear Just Lake is a beautiful great country. There. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful place. 
So, so yeah, that's my two free ads, Monday Muner podcast. Big thank you and Elkridge Resort. Nice. Yeah. I'm going to crack a beer to that. Is that your sponsor for the week? Uh, it's part one of my sponsors, part Lake one, of okay. the Woods Brewing Company. Uh, I, I'm ripping the, the nautical disaster beer. Oh, yeah, that's I right. Like tragically oh, hip themed oh, yeah. uh, beer. Yeah. Unfortunately, we're not going to be playing a tragically hip song at the end of this pod, but thanks Katy Perry for that, by the way. <laughs> Ooh, that oh is God. nice. That is nice. Dry hopped. Mm. So uh, let's continue with the golf theme. Obviously the masters were this past weekend. History was made. Oh, the yeah. first Japanese champion at the masters. Hideki uh, Matsuyama. Uh, congratulations he it was actually there was like there was some competition there towards the end and then i can't remember who it was completely fell apart uh, oh, Sanders, Shoffley. yes Shoffley. Shoffley. yeah yeah so mm. i actually in my prep for the podcast completely forgot to do any uh, sort of notes on the masters <laughs> That's well i got you covered <laughs> I'm, buddy. I'm, the, I'm the golf guy but yeah he is the so anyways guy. but so, no the final day it seemed like every time somebody was closing the gap, it was like five minutes later, it disappeared and we were back to a four-stroke lead again. It just yeah. seemed like that was the yeah. story of Sunday. And then Did you Matt, go to... Go he, finished two, he finished two above, right? Like he, he had a two-shot lead for the... No, two, two, he had two-shot lead for oh, the... Oh, that game. sounds about right, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, he two-putted he, or three-putted that final may, green. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, yeah. Just great. Um we're going to talk a little more masters a little bit later on. So I was going to say 15 There's a par five. Uh, the green is kind of has water, a little Creek up in front. And there's yep. also water to the back. Uh, Matsuyama has a four shot lead at that point with four holes to go. Pipes his drive has the approach shot. I think he was two thirty-five out out uh, maybe a four iron, four iron into the green or something like that. I just thought that was, and I think you might have disagreed with me a bit, Kev, but I thought that was a very risky play, or maybe it was Mikey, one of the two, very risky play for the size of his lead and the danger to the front and the danger to the back. Yeah, you got to play safe on that. He was aggressive. I was thinking lay up and play for like a realistic birdie. That's my thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. See, I I, I was the one who disagreed, and I think – I think all that happened there, I think he had that shot in his bag. Like, I don't think he was thinking safe versus, you know, what's scary. Confident that he could make it. Yeah, I think he's very confident he could hit that green. But I think what happened is adrenaline just got the best of him in the situation. And he just, he hit that five iron and he probably, you know, or probably should have maybe had the six in his hand with the way the adrenaline was maybe pumping a bit there. But rolled off the back end of the green and he had what, but, 30 yards worth uh he had, a, he had room at the back he had of the lots of room too, but it was so. a down slope at the back yeah, yeah. Was a horrible down slope but and, and part of the thing too is easy for me to say oh with the skill level i'm at compared to these guys <laughs> absolutely and these guys it's like if i'm too if i'm 230 out with that danger yes i'll lay up if i'm 200 no i'm not going to lay up i'm going to land it in its in a spot where it's supposed to land, but these guys are professionals and they're going out there and they're not playing 
safe. They're like, how, how do I, how do I play this safe? Yeah. Yeah. You know, whereas Jean Vandeveld, British Open, I forget the year or the Open, I guess it's called. He had a three shot lead going into 18 and he tripled. And he almost like, yeah, he had a long putt just to save his triple. That is one of the hardest moments in sports to watch him fall mm-hmm. apart on that final hole. That is, I, I seen that just a little while back, and it, yeah. yeah, it is, it's crushing. Uh, what do like, you think of the ratings coming into the Masters as the lowest watch I Masters? Heard, yeah. I was shocked at that. I'm not surprised. The Tiger effect. The yeah. Tiger effect. And did DJ Mirasawa getting the cut the, or hurt the ratings? What, what, sorry, was had, that did Mirasawa? Did he actually hurt the ratings in a way? Man, being I hope a, being, not. I um, I see what you're it's saying. Not, though. It's not so much the foreigner, but unknown as a Japanese. Those but the thing is, though, they're he's... trained in such a way that they don't show any emotion on the golf course, right? And you had a guy who pretty much led the whole final day of that tournament, who just walked the total stoic 18 holes and didn't really flinch at all didn't show any emotion and i wonder if that kind of hurt him a little bit where if you had had a couple of guys who were like you know flamboyant throwing fist pumps up there having some you know charisma like speed would have helped if speed was leading by four to go in yeah maybe uh that's could have should have would have yeah but i think yeah tiger effect for sure and one one theory someone brought up was the whole cutting the cable thing is that Mm. like like a, like COVID cutting the cable, maybe yeah. maybe people becoming more reliant on other sources of TV. I don't know. For for me, like if we're in yeah. lockdown, we haven't made any changes to our cable, but we have a pretty all inclusive cable package as it is. Yeah. If if I'm locked in, I can't do much. I'm expanding, unless if I have job loss implications. Of yeah. course, right. I'm expanding my cable package, not not tightening it up. Yeah, no kidding. I also but, think probably the four point or four stroke lead going into the final round is yeah. not exactly inclusive to you know <laughs> inviting people to watch you who might be <laughs> casual golf fans, you know, whereas if you had three guys within one stroke of each other, you know, that that kind of looks more like must watch TV to me. Yeah. Now I'm a casual I would say I'm a casual golf watcher. I would watch the Masters. Like to me, a four-stroke lead isn't a for sure thing. I don't, I don't look at that as a, ooh, he's he's walking away with this. I have no interest in watching the end of this round. Am I in the minority with that thought process? Uh, it can change quickly. You no, know? it's like yeah, like you say, yeah. you double bogey one hole. Oh, it's a two-shot lead. Yeah, yeah, and then whatever and, the but, other person. But here's the thing: Zalatoris cut it to on his second hole. He birdied. He went birdie birdie to start. Yeah, and Matsuyama. Bogeyed. Bogeyed. So it, it was, was a it was, one. Sh- it was one yeah. shot lead at that Matt, point. He was so, on the course. He had been on the course for ten minutes, off one hole, and his four stroke lead had disappeared and was down to down one. Down to one. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, so it did tighten up, but then it just. But then fifteen out. minutes later, again, it was back to four strokes Exa- again. It was just exactly. strange how that played out that whole Sunday. Yeah. But it is golf sure. to a T. <laughs> Get it? Oh, golf you to a T. I'm gonna. Here's my. I'm gonna throw my other free advertisement out as we're talking about golf. Um. With me picking up my golf clubs tomorrow, I am buying them uh, from Dean, who is with Golf Clubs for Less Westman. If you guys are looking for cheap golf clubs and you're in the Manitoba area, the the southern Manitoba area, might want to reach out. Go to Golf uh, Clubs for Less Westman. Just type it up in Google and check it out, and uh, he can probably hook you up with something that you're looking for. That is my other free ad for today. So there we go. Um, 
really the only other, I don't know if you guys have other sports that you kind of want to talk about. I guess the major thing today with it being April the 15th is Jackie Robinson day in major league baseball. Mm -hmm. That's huge. Um, How do you guys feel about uh, Montreal being a big impact for him as a baseball player? I didn't know that. Yeah. He played for the Montreal Royals the year before he made his major league baseball debut. I was going to convert that into a trivia question. I'm glad oh, I didn't. Ooh, <laughs> yeah, I, that one is stricken off of the mark. Yeah, he played the Montreal Royals the year before. He he wasn't a big home run hitter by any stretch. I think I don't know if he ever hit 20 home runs in a year, but he finished with uh, just over 100 home runs, 700 ribbies. He batted 311 for his career, had a tremendous career, made the hugest impact by being the first black athlete to yeah. cross that color barrier, which is incredible. Um, and so had- was inducted into the Hall of Fame fairly quickly after his retirement. And he, I don't know, ooh, should I use this for, no, I'm going to say it. He became the first athlete to have his number retired throughout the league that he was playing in. Back in 1997, two years before Gretzky had it done in the NHL. Wow, interesting. So Jackie Robinson Day, big hand. That's good. I like it. The if only you, reason it, I knew yeah. that was those old uh, Canadian Heritage yes, commercials yes. that run all the time. There's that yes. one yeah. on him being an expo. So yeah, he wasn't an expo. He was a royal or a royal, yeah. a Montreal royal. Yeah. The the precursor to the expos because yeah. when the expos did come in, they were very close to being renamed the or being named the Royals, but fans wanted to go with something or not the fans i think the ownership bromfin wanted to go with something a little different they were doing the montreal expo that they year. just got off it or we're, we're part we're, of it yeah. yes and they were like well why not this and all i can say i i've when the expos left major league baseball i was a huge expos fan i kind of switched allegiances over to the new york yankees wasn't really a whole ton into it if they come back i'll be all in on baseball yeah, they need the Expos back. All in on baseball. And they're looking at doing like this. Is it Was it this year or is it next year that they're looking? Oh, it's probably next year. COVID probably screwed up some some logistics with, was it Florida or Tampa? Tampa Bay. Tampa, Bay, Tampa Bay. Switching back and forth, having like half the season in Montreal and half the yeah. season in Tampa. Oh, yeah, I believe I it's supposed to be this. It was supposed to be but this COVID. season that that was yeah. happening. But yeah. COVID screwed it up. Changed plans. You got to well, think that- like... Can we speculate on that? You got to think that that's Montreal getting ready for baseball, right? It's definitely a test run. You would think so. I yeah. would also think so, yeah. Because I know the big talk in Montreal is building a new baseball diamond. Yeah. And obviously oh, yeah. all but, of that's on hold. But, but if they don't I, – I know that the Blue Jays preseason games did well in Montreal. Yeah. But if, if they don't draw well for half of the home games, yes. then I think they'll be like, okay, well, maybe this isn't – something we should look it'll at. be based off two things i'm sure if it gets to that point of seriousness it'll be based off of your attendance pre your uh season ticket your pre-sale on that what you yeah, can get people true. to commit to early <clears throat> yeah. and then it will be based off of these what was it 40 some games that were going to be in montreal yeah and that's yeah, going to be half yeah that's a tough ask of fans to support a team that they don't care they about no it's not even to. theirs yeah but montreal is yeah. going to have to I think that's a, a stupid that team and yeah and show that they want Major League Baseball there again. I think it's a test and I think uh, Montreal will will pass that test and I think we'll see the day 
I think so too. I just think it's a dumb idea by major league baseball to have that as their kind of go ahead and look to see if this is something that could be profitable in Montreal. Like Mm -hmm. it makes no sense. It's like saying, bring the Yankees into Boston and let's see if Boston will support them. Like obviously that's an looking at uh, relocation because there's just no market there at all. No. And maybe if they get better fan support in Montreal, that's something that they can try to, you know, rebrand up there. I wonder if Derek Jeter would stay a part of that. Uh... Isn't he the Marlins? Is he the Marlins? He's the Marlins. Marlins. God, I get those two clubs mixed up all the time. (laughs) Like Riff and Raff, both of them. So since we're on MLB here, do we have anything else MLB? Uh, I got a couple I, things. I did not, but go ahead. Okay. So a week late on this. Have we talked about MLB canceling the All-Star game in Atlanta yet? Oh, no, we have not. And okay. that is big news with everything that's going on down in so, Georgia. So the legislation changes uh, down in Georgia as far as voting and the rules surrounding it. Yeah. Uh, like you, you can't bring food and water to someone who's been waiting in line for hours upon hours. Basically that's, making it that's, way harder for people yeah, to vote in Georgia. That's... That's not a a rural problem. That's an urban problem. Mm-hmm. That's voter suppression right there. Yep. Uh, another thing is, didn't they change it so you can't vote on Sundays? So yeah, so I believe so. I thought they did that. So okay, let me get this straight. On a Sunday, okay, <laughs> because they say it's it's the Lord's Day, right? It's the mm-hmm. day for you to you know rekindle your. Uh, connection to your religion and everything okay that's all fine and dandy so i can't go vote because it's the lord's day but you know what? i can go in the stadium go get shit faced and i can watch an nfl game yep yeah i you can, can watch a, a baseball game yes can't watch can. a hockey game because they lost their teams there <laughs> but i can go to a strip club and watch people take off their clothes for money yes like, you can. highly immoral there you can go to but an nba I, basketball game i can do so many things yep but I don't, can't go to vote, vote no. because that's the Lord's Day. Correct. Give me a as, break. As somebody who used to manage a restaurant and would typically work that Sunday more, uh, noon shift, the hypocrisy in that yeah. church crowd that would come in and Just the way that they would bark orders at staff Drink beers. that worked there and the oh, way they carried God. themselves was always something to make my shit my, shake my head at. I... As a yeah. guy that worked with yeah. Kevin in that restaurant, I never worked a Sunday because I was like, nope, I'm going to be at home with <laughs> Not doing it. I'm going to be at home with my family. I never bullshitted and say it's church day. I said it's family day for me. And it was. We spent all day. Kev was good I, to me. I get the whole <laughs> I did family. My best. <laughs> yeah. Like, I get the whole, for some people, Sunday is the day to reconnect with the Lord. Absolutely. I get that. Sun, Sunday is family day for some people. Some people, Sunday is going to watch a football game. Yep. However you choose to do your Sunday, that's between, you know. You and your higher power. That, that's on you and your family. Yeah. I don't care. But don't come out and create stupid rules like this with only one thing that they're trying to get at. They're trying to get that urban vote even tougher to get in. Yeah. That's voter suppression. Yeah. It is. Now, it's one thing ridiculous. I'll say on this note, and trying not to dig too deep into U.S. politics, is Georgia is getting a lot of flack over this, and rightfully so. Mm-hmm. They're back. They're moving backwards. 
But there are some of these more liberal states in the United States that have voter laws that are just as tough, if not tougher, than what Georgia has. Yeah, you're right. And those states are barking and barking, you know, Georgia this, Georgia this, Georgia this. (laughs) It's time for them to, you know. Look in the mirror. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, because this isn't just happening in one state. It's not like Georgia just did this. So where now the NBA pulled their all-star game out, I have no problem with that. I'm fine with that. That's a, you know, a business decision they've made and they, they want to see changes. That's fine. That's up to them. Uh, it's always seems like it's 50, 50 split. When you listen to the fan bases of these sports, when they do stuff like this, half of the people are gung ho, you know, like I'm glad that they're staking a stand. I'm happy it's happening. The other half are always, let's just keep politics out of, out of my sports. I don't want to deal with it here. And you got that, some, that small portion that are just plain out racist idiots who don't. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I saw someone say, okay, now it's time to take the Masters out of Georgia. <laughs> like, I yep, get what you're trying to say here, but that doesn't really work in this uh, It's probably never going to happen. Yeah, no kidding. That's I, I know we're a hockey podcast, but I got one more thing. Yeah. Uh, last night, I'm pretty sure it was last night, did you see that White Sox pitcher carry a perfect game into the ninth inning? And oh, what happened? Carlos he- Redon. So... I think he, I don't know which batter it was, but one of one of the three batters, I don't know if it was uh, 25, 26, or 27. One of them he plunked. With, like, he did plunk him. Yeah. Okay. So, oh. and then. It, I think they had one out. I think it was the, they have one out when he. So when 26. The okay, okay. So 26. Plunked yeah. him, hit by pitch. And then. Uh, batter number 28 uh they uh yeah they retired 27 batter 28 they got yeah, yeah. so it's uh you know it still goes down as a no hitter second no hitter this year okay two, yeah it was two San things Diego. about that yeah yeah um imagine walking off the mound with no hitter and being disappointed <laughs> yeah no kidding <laughs> i know <laughs> yeah oh my how gosh. rare is that and how refreshing is it to actually see a couple no hitters early in the season in major in MLB this year? Like it yeah. was getting it was getting <laughs> to the point where you're watching that sport and you almost think like that might be a I don't want to say totally unaccomplishable feat anymore, but it's becoming the, the 50 game is goal so line. far yeah. away from that where it's yeah, we don't care where you're at in the game. When your pitch count hits, you're out. So and the no is hitters this, okay, are but is this rare. more is this more of a COVID thing? making sure that guys are fresh to go because games are yes. Major league baseball is packed in anyway. It's every other day, but they want to keep players as fresh as possible. No it could be. Yeah. Because that's so, what I'm thinking. So, but so I know the way that they look after pitchers arms right. nowadays. Like, yeah, that's true. Oh yeah. They're very, very cautious. Yeah. So and the what, whole just nine innings, hundred pitches, 120 yeah. pitches, that scenario is so rare nowadays. So, yeah, I think it's. I, I love seeing the fact that some a couple of managers are letting some guys go out there and you know, take a, get a little glory. You know, like that's absolutely. Those are the type yeah. of moments that make baseball fans. You know, is not is things like the no hitters. Those moments, not the, but oh, he pitched six great innings and then they pulled <laughs> him, right? Yeah. So what that was a crappy way to lose the perfect game, and it was brought up earlier about shitty uh, outcomes in sports. Uh, flashback to about ten. 10 years ago or so 
Uh, pitcher for the Detroit Tigers, Armando Galarraga. You remember that one? Oh, he had 26, 26 up, 26 down. Perfect game going into batter number 27. Routine grounder in between first and second. First That's comes off the right. bag, fields the ball. Galarraga covers first base. The, the throw is there. Gets the guy out by half stride, which is a mile in baseball. Jim Joyce calls him safe. Oh, and in his Jim own Joyce words, strikes. says he kicked the shit out of that call. Afterwards, he actually uh, asked MLB to overturn that safe call it to an out yeah. and they, they wouldn't go for it. And you could tell the next game when they did exchange in the lineups and everything, Joyce was crying. You could tell he felt like shit. And that was during you, you my- got a feel for everyone yeah. there. That was during my, like, when I was deep into baseball. Like, there was a period there uh, managing the restaurant and loving the afternoon ball games all the time. Yeah. So, getting those in. And I remember watching that second game. Uh, and I remember the one thing I remember taking out of it was the class that the Tigers showed that next day when they were yeah. doing those exchange at the home yes. plate there at the beginning of the game. That yeah. was because they had every right to still have a chip on their shoulder. But, and I, I can't remember I, which player, but. So one player actually embraced Joyce at the plate because he was yeah. like oh, in yeah, tears, yeah. like yeah. having that yeah. time of it. For sure. It's easy but, yeah. for the Tigers to do that, though, when the umpire shows that emotion and, and, and right away says, I yeah. made a mistake. I screwed up. This, yeah. this wasn't he, the right call. Like if he had just gone with no, I stand by my change call. It. Yeah. yeah. If, if I had just been, or if he'd just been like, I stand by my call, there's nothing you can do about it. Then the team isn't going to be as as gracious to him as they were. So yeah, good on him for showing that. And again, this was 10 years ago, but, but still like it's, it's important for, and, and maybe the like baseball, maybe basketball, football, the NHL, they all need to look, take a look at that with their officiating and understand that, Hey, you know what? You guys do make mistakes. It's okay to call yourself out on them. Yeah. Cause there's not enough of that in sports today. Awful. And this, but this also goes the whole argument of, how much replay should be in a game versus not and Mm -hmm. as much as i like everything being right i love the human element the human error that can happen and would anyone ever really remember this game if it wasn't for that call it creates well right so well if if he gets the perfect game yeah they will remember that so That's I think true. I think in replay, especially in in that, I, I don't disagree with you in the human element of yeah. officiating, but with that, it's at the end of the game. It's that's, a perfect game, yeah. yeah like that's the end of the game. Take your five minutes to make sure that that's a correct call because it's not like you're going yeah. that much longer afterwards, right? If that's, that's, we've, if that's a talked call about in the this, middle of the game, that's totally different. We've talked about this before. I think instant replay should be at real speed. Yes, just just to like the whole. In this case, like oh, you mean don't slow like it like down like down. like a, a bang bang play. Yeah. Or uh, NHL person like half an inch offside. Yeah. Why, why are we stopping the game for that? That's yeah. The I, I agree. I agree. But but when we have like a clearly blown call where you, you go back and look at it again at real speed, where your review takes one minute to do. We're not impacting the game. It's no yeah. different than a yeah. than a TV timeout. It's it's less impactful. Correct me if timeout. I'm wrong. With the NHL and offsides, they only review it on 
goals, right? Or if a coach calls a challenge, they, if the coach calls a challenge, yeah. so the coach isn't calling a challenge if there's no goal. No, be pointless. Uh, so yeah, 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 like, yeah. So you... it's only if there's a goal and the coach is penalized if they're wrong. Yes. And they have these tablets and everything and they're, you know, they're looking like frame by frame. Was that guy's offside by an inch? Yeah. And I'm just saying that they should give the referees a second look at it at real speed. Just and if, it, if it's that close, you know what? It's tough shit. That's the human element of the game. Move sure. on. Yeah. I'm not, I don't disagree with that. If it's a grossly blown call. Yeah. We don't need grossly blown calls. Yeah. Uh, deciding outcomes of the game that way. I know it's a lot of isolated incidents. It is. And you're right. And I have a hard time with the whole complaining about how long baseball games are or football or basketball. Like to me, I'm that type of guy that can watch a four hour movie and not blink an eye and I'm, I'm good to go. So to be at a baseball game or a sporting event for a long time, I mean, I paid the money to be there. Yeah. I have that no does problem make you, being there. That does make you a bit of an anomaly, though. The, I think so, the and I don't disagree. Four hours, like, yep. That is probably the Look. number one drawback to Major League Baseball's length of game. Oh, especially if that yeah. game starts at seven o'clock and you've got work the next morning. You're only getting home at midnight. Yeah, that yeah. sucks. Yeah, there's so I, great. I don't teams. disagree with that. Like, there's great teams that you can watch, like like the Blue Jays, for example. They play a fairly fast pace of ball. Like their games are yep. typically in and out three hours, and you're done. But then you watch a Yankees game or a Red Sox game. And for some reason, those games have to take an extra hour all the time. And that's just, that's hard for a viewer to to dedicate four hours of their time to a baseball game. I don't disagree with that. Um, NBA, just a quick couple of things. Michael Jordan is going to be inducting Kobe Bryant into the Hall of Fame. Uh, I think everybody knows that Kobe basically built his career off of the back of Michael Jordan. Just the way that that he plays. That, that won't be emotional at all. Oh no, I no, no, no. You're, I'm not crying. You're crying. Yeah. I'm just um, cutting onions here. Don't mind me. Yeah. It's that is gonna be emotional. Um I, I don't disagree at all with the call to make Kobe Bryant put into the Hall of Fame. He had a Hall of Fame career, he was fantastic. He won championships, he was one of the greatest scorers of all time. Yeah. Tragic ending to his life. Yeah, he had some iffy moments there, but um I, I, man, dude's a Hall of Famer through and through. So it's got to happen. You know, it'd be cool. I know nobody really cares about the WNBA as far as women's basketball goes, which is unfortunate because it's actually a good game. And I don't mean us, I mean just people in general. Very low viewership and it shouldn't be. Um, If the WNBA were decided to induct Kobe's daughter into their Hall of Fame, though I don't even know if they do have a Hall of Fame. I, I wonder if it's just know, the actually. Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, uh, my guess is that it's probably I think much it like is. the NHL. Yeah. Where it's, they kind of cover all basketball. That would be my guess. but I think so. But how that makes sense. WNBA isn't, it's what, 20? That uh, wouldn't be 20 years old. It's close. Is it? Okay. Yeah, I think so. It's a great product. I know, I know they announced the season's going to be starting soon. I think they're going to be broadcasting more games on TSN, which I think is fantastic. My daughter is getting into basketball. We're probably going to be watching a lot of ball this summer, and I'm, I'm stoked for it. Because I love basketball. Yeah, I think I, there's some great players in that league. Whew. 
97 original or inaugural so 24 years yeah see i don't know i got into a stew a bit if if you don't like women's sports that's fine but i don't know there's no reason to go and shit on it while you're at it too i agree if you know i don't watch it doesn't mean you don't have yeah and, and you don't watch it it, does, you don't... It, it doesn't mean that people don't care about it Right. Some people do care about it. It's just, it's not as widely watched. Right. And I think the biggest problem is it doesn't get exposure. I think now, well, the NBA has always been behind the women's basketball game. Yeah. I think that's huge. The NHL really, really needs to step up and be behind the women's game so that they can have a solid league that can make money and and have that support no nhl you don't need to fund what they're doing but you need to show support you need to do throw some some backbone into them so that that game is viable because a six-team league is garbage the thing i've always found interesting about wnba is their inability to create stars yeah because you have a sport where it should be easy to create stars. Like the, your, your players are accessible. They're on the court. Yeah. You see their faces. They're up close. Like, but the problem is exposure. It, it, but that's, that's what blows me away is that yeah. they've never had that, you know, that one player come into the league who's had that it factor who transcends the game and you're seeing on, you know, runways and you're seeing that, yep. you know, yeah. movie premieres and whatever else. Right. Like, and who's, just, the, who's the biggest player that you guys know in the sense. WNBA? Diana Taurasi. Sure. Cheryl Sousa, the biggest name that yep. comes to mind that's yep. played probably, right? I bet you the most well-known female basketball player right now is Candace Parker. Okay, yeah. And because she's on yeah, NBA yeah. or, uh, um, yeah, inside the NBA. And she's she's knocking that out of the park. And good for her. Back, and, to, like, the, so back to the WNHL there. You said there's only six teams, which is, which is garbage. So do you think that devaluizes a championship win then no not necessarily i think the problem was i think the six team i think it's six teams um i could be wrong on that no it's more than that it's very close i know that they when they did their whole um playoff seating stuff that it was it was shorter i was trying it was it's six it's six teams Okay, I was trying to get you to say yes, and I was going to attack you about the Habs winning most of their championships. Hey, you know That's what? No, no, stop, stop. Montreal still has the most championships since the uh, the expansion period. So, oh, do they? Okay, okay. Oh, yeah. Don't you worry, <laughs> well, your pretty little. Self well, it about wasn't that. just those uh, only the six teams though that helped the Habs out too. There was a. Uh, there were some pretty special draft rules that were in place oh, during yeah. those yeah. early days of the NHL that allowed Montreal to pretty much pick any French player they wanted to, before the draft started, right? But Yeah, Damon likes it. Fuck you. <laughs> I, I know you're I right, Damon. I love it. I love that Montreal had that advantage. Can you imagine it's not like, like those... that was in the league today? Oh, but yeah, but the thing is, though, it's a different time, too. Those players, yeah. like Maurice Richard isn't playing on Boston. Like, he's not playing in New York or Chicago. 
Yes, it could have, should have, would have. Yeah, for sure. But it was a prejudiced time. Like French Canadians yeah. weren't treated well in the NHL, so it's not. It's not like those players would have been welcomed with open arms on <laughs> on their team. So, yes, yeah. there was those special draft rules, but it kind of made sense. Was it fair? No, it wasn't. But I don't give a fuck. Montreal's got twenty four <laughs> Stanley Cups to their name, and you don't. <laughs> um, Shut up. Yeah, I think. I think that's all I've got for basketball. Um, the only other thing, ooh, big surprise, LaMarcus Aldridge, who had just signed a contract with the New Jersey Nets, calling it a career as he's got an irregular heartbeat and Uh-oh. had a big scare. So he, he called it a career real quick. I just thought I'd throw yeah. that in there because he's like a, he's a really good basketball player. And yep. Adding him to the Nets, wow, that. Like they're already instant yeah. contenders with that yeah. roster that they have. He just was a beast and it didn't work out. So now they're one less. Yeah, one of those situations. You take, take care, care of yourself. yourself first and take care of yourself. A year down there, yeah. two years on the road, you can come back and play basketball. You come back to play basketball. Yeah. Cause he's not, I don't, he's not even that old. I think he's like 31 or 32. So yeah. he could come back for sure. sure. Um, let's do, let's get into our fantasy hockey. Unless you guys have anything else that you want to cut in before that. No, then we'll roll oh. into other hockey talk after that. Let's do yes. it. All right, Kev, take it away, buddy. What do we got for fantasy hockey this week? Uh, we're into the first week of playoffs in most leagues. So things get a little uh, – I don't have to cover waiver wires, although some leagues will keep waiver wires open throughout the playoffs. Trades are all should all be done in most leagues. So the fantasy world kind of quiets down a little bit, but we still have uh, three stars from last week. Uh, we're going to start with Austin Matthews. Six goals, two assists, plus three on the week. Two pims, 14 shots on net. So kind of this year, typical Austin Matthews week, really, the way he's been playing this summer or this this year. So don't think I've had him on the list much either. So threw him on top. Gunsel, Jake Gunsel, Pittsburgh. Yeah, he had a good week. Yeah, <laughs> really good week. He uh, He's had a, uh, had a really uh, quiet year. Pedestrian, quiet year. Yeah, like. Really, the first 20 were really, really slow. And that was playing along Malkin or Crosby. So, But four goals, uh, three assists last week, another plus three, four pims, eight shots on net. So good enough for our second star of the week. And then in Winnipeg, Connor Hellebuck. Playing some good hockey for the Jets. Three wins last week. Uh, had a shutout, 1.67 goals against average. Uh, we're, not, we're not talking about that shutout. Saves. We're not talking about that. You don't <laughs> want to bring that one up. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> so yeah, Kelly getting a third star of the week. Uh, probably the big news in the fantasy world this week is absolutely horrible timing for this one. Philip Grubauer hitting the COVID list. That just yeah. cannot come at a worse time. Where your your trade deadlines have just passed. If you're lucky, waiver wires will still be open, but. He's out for at least two weeks right now. So you're looking to head into your playoffs. And chances are Grubauer is probably on 90% of the playoff rosters because he'd be a big part of getting you there. So major, major blow. Uh, there so is did you no say waiver wires are frozen? Waiver wire? It depends on your league. So can uh, you go get, because Dubnik is. Dubnik got traded. So yeah. it, he would be my recommendation. If there is, uh, if your waiver wise open, you just go and you get, you pick him up and just ride him like you would Grubauer because he's going to get over this next two weeks, yeah. he is going to get probably five of the next six starts for that team. So yeah, uh, 
other injury news out there, a couple big ones. Steven yeah. Samkos, he's got the undisclosed injury. They got him day-to-day, but he won't be playing Saturday. And it sounded like it'll be a little more than that yet. So uh might be a risky start for uh, playoff teams if you have them next week. Blake Wheeler, there's a real... That, that's another one that hurts a lot of owners with the timing of it. Kind of just comes right after the deadline. Uh, upper body caused by a Kachuk. And uh, he's out indefinitely. They haven't, uh, they haven't really gave any timeline on him whatsoever. So I'm kind of thinking this is going to be one of the ones where Winnipeg's probably going to try to have him back for the playoffs is kind of what they're hoping for. So you might not have much fantasy value whatsoever left for him. Which is crazy um, because he's much needed in Winnipeg, even though he like he's been putting up the numbers. But I know a lot of Jets fans are kind of like, is he slowing down? Very much in the way Montreal fans are talking about Shea Weber and and the way that he's played. The thing that is a fan of the Jets, what doesn't bother me about this is it gives Paul Maurice a chance to experiment with some different combinations yes. and try some different things out. And he tends to be a little more shy when it comes to uh, you know, throwing the lines into a blender. So I think this is a good opportunity to, you know, see what a Poolman can do in a real, like, top six role or or cough can do for a while, right? Uh, A few other ones out there. Uh, Verhage in Florida. He was playing really good. He uh, picked up the weight when Barkoff was gone there, but he is – they got him week to week with an upper body injury, so won't have him next week if you have him in your lineup. Uh, Wisniewski in Colorado or lost uh, a hernia out for the season. Oh, so that man. is a big one for Columbus. If you add him, that, uh, that's a big blow to your blue. And he wasn't the best. He wasn't the no. best Wisniewski we've ever seen, but still an every week starter. So when you get hit with those at this time of year, that is just, it, it's hard to bounce back from. So hopefully not too many people are dependent on him. How funny is yeah. it that uh, people in maybe keeper drafts or even just like fresh drafts picked Eichel this year and and now it's just <laughs> had a rough start to the season. Now he's done for the year. Done for the year and is hoping to be ready for yeah. the start of next season. Yeah. Like they're not even saying that he will be ready. So uh, I think when you have a, just, such a high draft pick like Eichel. Yeah. And it's a complete swing and a miss. Like you're probably not super competitive. No, that's true. That. That's true. Like I don't know. Is that a fair statement, Kev? Yeah, no. It's, like it's so tough to rebound absolutely. from that. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. No. If you're, I mean, you look in the fantasy world at the beginning of the year, and I'm gonna go in. I'm gonna do my year end uh, rewards over the next couple of weeks. So definitely one of them will be bust. You know, or worst bust <laughs> of the year end. There will be a couple Buffalo Sabres yes. there. One former Sabre and <laughs> yeah, one current exactly. Sabre on that list. Uh, that's a hard one. Yeah, you know, like you look at even just Buffalo in general, like missing on Eichel the way that that's happened. Like how many years has that set that franchise back with the way that this yeah. guy's played for that team? Like it's just... No, no, I wouldn't blame Jack Eichel necessarily for that. I think no, if he's on any that. other franchise, he's a star player, but Buffalo has just been a... The whole vortex of shit. Yeah. Like, it's not like they haven't tried things around him. Like, he's had his fair share of line mates and different combinations. Like, I mean, I'm not saying that he's not going to turn out to live up to what he was drafted at, 
and I'm sure he probably will if he ever gets out of Buffalo. But God, oh, he I I highly suspect he won't play another game in Buffalo. It's possible, very possible. Yeah, so there's a few injuries. Tough time. Oh, speaking of Buffalo, Linus Allmark. I mean, <laughs> who needs a goalie in this at this point of the season if you're Buffalo, right? <laughs> like, but yeah, like I said, the big one that's Grubauer. That's just that's devastating for all yep. owners. So, uh, a few guys that got moved around at trade deadline. And I know we're going to jump into that in a little bit here, but uh, probably changed a fantasy value of you guys. So, I'll start with Taylor Hall. Yes. I think he got put in a good situation, as good a situation as he can get put into. I agree. So I think his he's in a winning culture. Go back up. He's in a situation where he doesn't have to be the man. Yeah. Right. He can be a second line player on the second PP and just worry about regaining his game and being Taylor Hall. So I think you'll see some improved uh, fantasy statistics from out of him. Uh, the next guy that probably has some upside in a trade was Anthony Mantha going to Washington. 100%. He's going to get a chance to be playing probably with uh, Wilson and Backstrom. It sounds like that's going to be the line combinations there. So just if his, if his talent doesn't change, it, just on the talent that he's playing around raises his fantasy value that much. So Anthony Mantha probably goes from a guy that was probably sitting on your bench as a depth guy to a guy that you can probably look at starting depending on matchups week mm-hmm. to week. So uh, going the other way a little bit, Jacob Brana goes to Detroit and that does the exact <laughs> opposite for him where he was already having a tough season, but now going into Detroit, he's got, that's a pretty bare bones organization up front right now. They that have was some a, good stuff coming down the pipe. Yeah. And that was a good right trade now, though for both teams. Like Detroit, uh, picks up a first in that in that trade and yeah it's a washington first i get that yes like that that's something that they can use to purchase other pieces yeah we can jump deeper into that when we talk trade we'll dump a little deeper into that because i think we're a little different um in toronto david david riddick um i i don't hate to say this but Campbell's not going to be a guy that's going to win 10 out of every 10 games for the rest of the season. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's just not going to happen. Now, Riddick's come in. He's got some proven background to him. He ha- he's had some good runs in the past. So if you're desperate for goalie help and the waiver is out, his value did go up a bit by getting traded to Toronto there. Uh, I seen Campbell had a rough night tonight, and Riddick was already in after early in the first period today. So Is that three and straight then- losses for Campbell? Uh, two. Uh, two did he six. not? Oh, that's right. Yeah, how's um, Redick against Calgary? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You're right. Uh, another goalie got traded. And this guy's value is gone. Actually, his value might be higher than any, anybody that's got traded. That's Devin Dubnik. Yes. With Grubauer yeah. going out, as we were talking about earlier, he's going to be the man in Colorado for the next couple of weeks. So if he's on, if you have a wave wire that's open, Devin, Devin Dubnik, go grab him because. Colorado's just going to keep winning games. It doesn't matter who's in that for him. Dubnik's a good goaltender. He's he's there's nothing wrong with Devin Dubnik. Um, one other guy, Jeff Carter going to Pittsburgh. Yeah, it's a big trade. You don't like it? I I just don't want people to go out and throw him on their bench, thinking <laughs> okay. that they're going to get something out of Jeff Carter. Yeah, I think this but this is the type of deal that's better for Pittsburgh themselves then it will be fantasy in the fantasy world 
Okay. I can see Jeff Carter being a guy who, if Pittsburgh goes on a playoff run, also Jeff Carter has 10 goals in the playoff and yeah. is one of the main reasons the Penguins, you know, get to a point that they get. But fantasy, I don't think you're going to get much value out of him. Too big of a risk based off of what his past few years are to add him to your bench at this point of the year. So, yeah, it's not like Jeff uh, Carter wasn't playing with talent in LA. Yeah, exactly. So, um, we'll jump into DraftKings a little bit. Great Gumby. Taking money from us again. Oh, hey, you know what? Mike McCulloch, let's throw this out there right now. He pulled off the upset of the weekend because Gumby was about to go back-to-back in our Masters DraftKings and hockey. Yeah. That would have been devastating. Big time. Yeah, Thank I you, had, Mike. Yeah. I had Gumby uh, sitting in the living room here with me watching WrestleMania while that was all going down. That was uh... – <laughs> So he saw us uh, trash talking him then. Yeah, he did. seat. (laughs) I think it's going to get to the point where we're going to have to. uh, I'm either going to have to go do a little interview with Gumby so we can have him uh, fire back at the boys a little bit or something. (laughs) No, yeah, (laughs) yeah, a lot pointed his way last week. Uh, But this week it's kind of interesting. We're going to do our pool like usual. There's six eight games this week. I had no idea how many. Uh, there's a five o'clock uh, game, Predators versus Canes. My guess is that's probably going to get lumped in with the afternoon games. So that'll be. take us down one already. And then your early game for Hockey Night Canada is Leafs versus that's Canucks. Preds Canes is in. That game's that's... canceled. Preds Canes is canceled? No, no. Uh, Leafs oh. and Canucks. Canucks games are, are postponed indefinitely. Did they do that? I just seen that tomorrow's list. Okay. Yeah, so, that, yeah. so that's okay. all. So now we're in another interesting situation with hockey in Canada. They yeah. No early game. We, a couple, two weeks ago, they had no late game. There's Bro no mentality. way that they, there's Bro no way that they cannot be going in with no early game. Can they? What's the, what's the what Montreal game? The Montreal is a three o'clock game. Again, it's the Habs and Sens at three o'clock. So, they need to change would, the time of Jets Oilers. That's what they need to do. Well, yep. no, I think that the Habs and Sens, I think, is what they Yeah. Don't you take, don't oh, you take that in the afternoon and oh, bump yeah, to yeah, six yeah. o'clock game? Yeah, like, right, why right. why can't you do I don't understand why they could wouldn't be able to do that, especially with Montreal playing a game less than twenty four hours before. I yeah. I hope that's the solution. I but two weeks ago I was on here saying there's no way that they're not gonna pick yeah. up the feed to some other game <laughs> yeah. late game and and they didn't and so, they did. <laughs> So based on that, we could have six games. We could have eight games to pick from. So, uh, But there are some good ones out there, and there's a lot of those uh, big mismatches that are happening this weekend. So there should be – there's been a lot of big scores in DraftKings all week, actually. It's been just uh, one of those weeks. I'm going to throw three names at you, boys. Just now the fantasy is kind of dwindling down, and I don't have as much to talk about in the week-to-week uh, world. Give me a three guys that I'm just – almost religiously starting right now. Uh, starting with a, probably my favorite value pick in all fantasy right now, Adam Ernie in Detroit. It's a guy who half hockey fans probably never even heard the name. Former yeah. former Quebec Rempart. Yeah. The guy runs at 3,000 uh, points or dollars right now. He's five goals, two assists in his past seven games. He's averaging 13 points per game in DraftKings. So at 3,000... Oh. Anywhere from twenty seven hundred to three thousand. Brad's right. What that is he's running for? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, Dixie's no. Uh, he is starting for me every time that Detroit plays a game. I, uh, I he's think getting tons of, those, of ice time there. Oh. 
Well, in this scenario, too, is people don't want to start someone from Detroit, right? Yeah. So his value isn't going up because he's not getting the ownership. And that's a big part of how they dictate how much players go for is based oh, on yeah, what, how, yeah. how heavily rostered they are, right? So Adam Ernie, if you, when Detroit's playing, he's a high recommendation for me. Um, I'm getting trash talked on my phone right now, so I'm guessing that maybe this next guy I'm talking about might be getting lit up right now. But Tristan Jari. Uh, he's running at 7,900 right now. He's got five wins in his last six starts. And he's averaging about 22 points per game in DraftKings. So he's been a guy when he, Pittsburgh's playing and starting. I'm sorry, I've been starting him every week. He lost 2-1 to Philly oh, okay. in, in a shootout. So uh, he, a shootout, he had a so good not game. So bad. Not so bad. Yeah, they're the um, early game today or Saturday. Yeah. And then so, yeah. one other guy I'm going to throw out there. And this guy's just on an unbelievable point. It's not quite as streaky as a couple holes in there, but Adam Fox. Yeah. yeah. If you need somebody that's just going to give you points on your blue line right now, he's a, he's not cheap, but no good defensemen are. He runs at about sixty-five to 7000 depending on who they're playing on any given night. But he's got 23 points in the last 28 days. So just short of a month, 23 Jeez. points. Uh, in DraftKings, that breaks down to 13.92 points per game. So if you if you know you need some points that you blew in, Adam Fox is as sure a bet as there is in DraftKings right now. Wow. Yeah. There we go. Anything else for us for fantasy hockey? No, that is our fantasy world. As always, hit me up. Big Kev HW Fantasy. If you want to join the league, uh, I'll have it probably out early or mid-Friday afternoon, probably have the league going and uh, happy to add a few more people into the mix. Absolutely. It only brings up the money pot. Absolutely. (laughs) And we need it because for stupid fucking fucking Gumby just taking all the money. (laughs) Leave some for us, Gumby. (laughs) Jesus. So then let's get right into our hockey talk. Uh, NHL trade deadline has come and gone. Um, I don't know if you've got notes down on winners and losers of the deadline. I have uh, some of the winners. I think Boston made a big impact uh, picking up Taylor Hall. I, I like lots of people can sit there and make fun of Hall being like this cancer in the locker room and every team he goes to is just shit. I don't buy it. So yeah. far, it's absolutely true. That has been the, the, optics of everything but he's going to now a a winning cultured team and as a montreal canadian fan i can't say this enough yes the habs have struggled in recent years as far as makeup of team and putting wins on the table but having shea weber come into our locker room it's changed the culture of the team the team seems so much more put together and i say this in reference to Boston, because that is what Taylor Hall is now going into. He's yeah. going to have bonafide leaders. He doesn't have to be the, the go-to guys. Kevin had said, now he can just go out there and focus on the only thing he needs to do. And that's put goals into the back of the net. I think this was a great trade for Boston. I think there's only like a it. few teams that could have traded for Taylor Hall and it work out as a trade that as a, I like the look at. Yeah. Right. Like, when we talked trade deadline last week, I mentioned I thought Winnipeg was going to nail him. Yep. And that scared me because then Winnipeg, I think, is looking at him as more of a 1A kind of guy. Yep. Replacing mm-hmm. Blake Wheeler, right? Yeah. Going to Boston, like I said, he can be buried. I think a team like Tampa could have taken him. you know. But it had to be a deep team where he can be 
four or five on the pecking order, not one, two. Yeah. So I agree. Boston With steady leadership too. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a big thing. And like, and you mentioned the trade too. If you look at it, it's Boston didn't really give up a whole lot for, nope. for nope. Taylor Hall, which is nope. bonkers. A second round pick and Bjork for Hall and Lazar. Yeah. Or Lazar or how Lazar. Lazar. Yeah. Like, that is a great trade for Boston. Yeah, I and agree. Don't sleep on the Lazard part of that deal. I agree. Curtis Lazard, yeah. when I seen that, it's like that is a Boston Bruin. Yeah. You thought you want to talk like that gritty kind of like Brad Marchand, like yeah, he'll yeah. start whispering in his ear. He's like, Yeah, you want to know how to be the ultimate pest? Like, I think there's gonna be a lot of <laughs> come, come under the learning tree, my friend, and lick people. Marchand's in the past face. the point of having to do those kind of things. And I think he'll love having a guy like Curtis Lazar playing on the fourth line who can take care of a little bit of that for him. Yep. I think he's a good guy to have in the room. He's very much like a happy go lucky type of guy. And yeah. like he just brings out like you know, positive energy and everything. He played on the flames and didn't work out on the flames, but tell you what, a guy like that is good to have in the dressing room. Sure. Absolutely. Just, he is. You, you, you always cheer for him. That's for sure. Yeah. Washington is another team that I think uh, knocked it out of the park. Yes. They gave up a bit. I uh, tell you what, Stevie, Y knocked it out of the park on that? Yes. Trade. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. I agree. Um, with Washington, they pick up Mantha. They get rid of Vrana panic, uh, a first and a second. That second round pick is for next year though. Not this year. Yeah. Um, that Anthony Matha is a fantastic player. Yeah, he's a good player for sure. And now he's going again. He's coming out of a losing culture and he's going to a winning one, a former Stanley Cup winning team. Now they can focus on what they are doing. And I, I just I think it's a I think it's a beautiful pickup. It takes some of that uh, spotlight now off of Ovechkin, who yeah, he's still putting up goals like crazy. But uh, he's still the go-to guy. But, man, that team is full of talent. Yeah. Toronto. I've seen the debate or listened to it a lot today. How much difference is there really between a Verona and a Mantha? And I I think there's good arguments either way. But the one thing I'm going to say about that trade is I don't think that first-round pick had to be included in that. I think that first-rounder was – absolutely unnecessary my guess is some other team got involved and forced that hand to be played where they had to throw that first stick up the ante a little bit but here's the thing it just seems like a little bit much to me i heard that don't sleep on him he he's he's gonna work out just well in detroit yeah Yeah, i don't disagree with that that either yeah um i think i think that first and here's the thing this year is an anomaly because of all things COVID, right? Like the draft is going to be totally different than we've ever seen. There's no Mem Cup now. That is something that we should mention. That's been canceled for this year for the second year in a row. These young players aren't going to have that opportunity to showcase themselves the way that they have been in traditional years. So these first round picks, especially the later round ones, don't really mean that much. Not as much as they have in years prior. In the aspect as they're more of a lottery than ever before. Yes, I agree. I I still think that you're going to see the talent coming out of the Joss like you always do. You're still going to see the same number. uh, You know, I don't know what the percentage of every player, you know, that comes out of the Joss, what percentage they make the NHL. 
I don't think that number is going to change much. No, but this year but was a draft year down year anyway. It was already. It, yeah. It, before COVID was even yeah. in the equation, this was COVID uh, just brings it that much down. down. Yeah. yeah. So like, here, like here's, said, the, here's the thing though. Matt has term. And yes. Yeah. He has a year left. Yeah. No, no, he's got, he's got, so it's this year, next 22, 23 and 23, 24. That's a he huge. Has, well, that's right because they just yeah they signed yeah, up, they just is, signed up in March. That's right. Yeah, so he has yeah. lots of term left. So, I guess maybe from that perspective, not such a terrible deal after all for for Washington. I don't. I he, think it's still a good deal for Washington. Mantha's a great player, man. Yeah. Well, and the other thing, it gives, and he's young. What's the contract out there? Because I five seven five. Which, see, you know what that buys Washington. That's cost certainty right there. Oh, big time. Yeah. They yeah. know for they know now for the next five years. They got a solid player locked in at that. Um for sure. Sometimes that works, sometimes that doesn't. Yep. As a Blackhawks fan, I remember a certain uh-huh. Brandon Sod for Antony uh, for Panarin deal. And the whole selling point to the Blackhawks fan base was this was cost certainty that was coming back to Chicago's way. And Eesh. let me tell you this as a Blackhawks fan. I'm not a big fan of the whole cost certainty uh, <laughs> game that they play there. So, uh, Toronto is another team that knocked it out of the park. And I have to say this right off the hop. Yeah. How are they <clears throat> making this work under the cap? Anderson. That's how. Yeah. I guess. But, like, he... the players that they brought in, Anderson doesn't make $30 bucks a year. <laughs> You've got Dave yeah. Riddick coming in. You've got Nick Felino coming in. Um, that was all here. salary rate retained. Calgary yeah. took half a rate. I know. Felino, they're coming then, in at 25% because they brought on bonkers. another team. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Columbus That's is right. keeping 50. I can't remember who the other team was that was uh, taking 25. Some, I think you're right. I Could think it is San Jose. Yeah, okay. I think it was San I know Jose. they were involved in another trade that way yeah. too. They've so. got Hutton. Yeah. They picked up Hutton. Like they are loading up for that playoff run. They're going to be a hard team to beat. Oh, yeah. I hate saying- I'm going to go back to what I was talking about when I brought up Riddick. If you're a Leafs fan right now, are you not a little bit worried about what you're seeing in between the pipes? Yes. Oh, like, big time. And if you're not, you're disillusioned. With what they did at the deadline, that tells me that Anderson's not back this year. I don't he think He maybe so, yeah. comes... Like, yes, they could bring him back after the playoffs when the salary cap doesn't mean anything. But I listened to uh, Dubis do an interview where he talked about it, and he didn't sound convinced. Doesn't sound like they're in any hurry to bring him back. Like they, it sounds like they're they're content with if he's our starter at the beginning of next year, we're fine with that. Yeah. And like I said before, Campbell's not going to win ten out of every ten games. And while Riddick has had some nice runs in his career, he's also had some real down runs in his career too. So if I'm Calgary, I'm or if I'm Toronto, I'm sorry. Yeah. I love Brent. all these additions you make. I love Fling- I love the Fligno deal. I love everything about this makeup of this team right now. But is goaltending going to be the Achilles heel of this team? Yeah, but you know what? Last, Their defense last, is still suspect. Yeah, last three games for Campbell, he's yeah. not looked good. Nope. Nope, he hasn't. And yeah. their defense. He was, he was three goals on four shots tonight. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Beautiful. That's nice. Wow. Like and like I said, their defense is is not great at all. I would say not good. Um, they they're way more offensive than they are defensive. There's no grit to their black their back six. 
that's going to be punishing when it comes playoff time. So, uh, like, if you watch the Habs game on on Monday, Montreal outskated, worked hard. Their defense just bullied that top six. Like, Romanov was pushing Marner and uh, was was pushing Matthews around like it's nobody's business. That, when it's playoff time, that's going to be telling. And, yeah, it could be a Montreal-Toronto matchup, which would be the first time in, I think, since 1979, I want to say. And Toronto is is a fantastic offensive team, but their power play is absolute dog shit right now. And there's there's a little bit of I, like me as an outside guy, I, I don't think Jack Campbell is the answer there. I think he's I think he's Dave Riddick, a, a, a serviceable backup, like a, a pretty good backup. But as a starter, they I it's gonna be interesting to see. Time will tell. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, uh, that th- those are my winners out of that. I, I do think Detroit did a lot of good work. Chicago picked up some nice pieces. Chicago as well. did a lot of good work. Yeah, five separate deals. Um, I love the Godet deal. Yeah, I think it was For a good Heim- deal too. Heim- we do in Chicago what we had in Heimler. He's a yep. fourth line player. Like yep. that's yes. he had a good playoff run last year for the team when they you know made waves there last year in the bubble. But that's all he is. He's just a fourth-line player. And they got a player who is going to be prob when he's cleared, he's going to play with Patrick Kane on the top line. Yeah. So they're going to give him that chance. And I know personally, I have a, one of my best friends who's a Canucks fan, and he's the one that broke the trade to me by texting me this text that says, my God, did the Black Blackhawks just fleece my Canucks. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I thought I like when it comes to the Jets, they didn't really do anything. Jamie, Jamie Ben. Yeah, Jamie yeah. Ben or, or Jordy, Jordy Ben. Jordy, 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 Jordy Ben. Yeah. Um, I don't mind the trade because it's for a sixth round pick. Jordy Ben. It's is just depth. It's He's, okay at best. It's depth. Yeah. It's just Not what depth. They needed. Jordy yeah. Ben might be their best defensive defenseman now, and that's not a good thing. Yeah. It's just not a good thing. They need to go big hit game hunting. I, there I, and they I'd give Demello that edge still. Really, you think so? As their best, yeah. That's who they as got. As a that's defensive, a, def- they, I'll say, yeah. Line up playing with tonight. He's a better. He's a better skater than Jordy Bennett. He's he's the safest guy to stick him with. Sure. See if Ben, if you're on, with if, if if you're when Ben's on the ice for the Jets, you're gonna want probably more to see with him because you're gonna want your fast. You want your four fastest defenseman to be able to be on the ice with, with Ben. I think, but Ben's not gonna yeah. be that type of player that pinches. He's gonna Ben's be the guy that stays gonna, back. Ben is probably eight, nine on their depth chart. I would agree. Like, I, I would agree. He's not like, going to be an everyday playoff defenseman for the Jets. I think Paul Maurice would rather see Billy Helena. Oh, I disagree. In that role. I disagree. Or a Sandberg in that role than Ben Ooh. at some point. I think. I'll bet you. I'll bet you money that Paul Maurice doesn't want those guys in over a Jordy Ben. Oh yeah, he's you a vet, to, he's you a vet to- guy. But you've listened to his interviews in the last couple of weeks with Maurice. Yeah. All he's been asking for is for Chevrolet to give him the green light to bring these kids in because he wants to test. He wants them for the playoffs. I. How is that Chevrolet off? Thing, think about think about this. They're playing the Edmonton Oilers in the first round. Who do you want on your blue line? Do you want a guy oh. that's a pylon that can't skate? Oh, 100%, or do you want you're right. Moving the, like Helena is going to. Yes. Helena could definitely be the guy but, that's in that first round. 
But how was that a shovel day off decision? Shovel day off always wants to baby his boss, his kids. Fuck they man. want they they play through the system and they have to wait their turn. Like as I like it in some ridiculous when there's nobody in front of you. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I think they've also heard a lot of their talent that's come through that organization by baby him too much, like Jack Rosselick, for example. Yep. Like, oh border borderline um Mark Shifley. Like Shifley has turned into a fantastic player, but good lord, he should have been in the league way longer than it took for him to get there. Well, Shifley always had that. He was kind of like a horse out of the womb thing, though, where yeah, he couldn't keep himself his feet on the ice for the first couple of years <laughs> they played in the league for some reason. So that's true. Uh on Montreal's end with the draft, I or with the trade deadline, I actually liked what they did. Now, I'm not this is not a homer thing. I know you guys are gonna sit there and go, Oh, it's Montreal, you love it. I like that they didn't sell the farm and get rid of pieces that they shouldn't have gotten. They were patient. Mark Bergevin is building something. This year might not be the year, but Habs fans are very impatient. We haven't had a Stanley Cup in like 27 years, and we're, we're shitting ourselves, and we want that. I know you you, you yeah. wave your hand, but seriously, <laughs> there's there's got to be a level of patience. And, and if you're a team and you have a GM that – you keep around for three to five years max. What are you doing? Like, do, does anybody realize how hard it is to build a hockey team? Oh, yeah. So, Shevel Day Off, or Shevel Day Off, uh, Bergevin, I believe, is in year nine as GM of the Habs. He's made some mistakes for sure. Um, but nine his years last... is probably. Close to the end of your open NHL life. Oh, life nine years. Yes, yeah. for sure it is. Yeah. But his last three years, it's like this. It's a, it's going up. He's made some fantastic roster decisions. He's won almost every trade he's ever done. Now it has to translate into wins on the ice for sure, and that's going to take time. This like three quarters of this Habs lineup is new players like Tyler Toffoli coming in. You've got Nick Suzuki now full-time on the Habs. Kaki Niemi now full-time on the Habs. Uh, Josh Anderson coming in. All of these pieces. You've got uh, Corey Perry that's in. And yeah, he's an older player, but he's made an impact on this team. Eric Stahl coming in since uh, he was traded there. Like that's a lot of pieces to be on a team and everybody's expecting that to click day one. Give them some time and let it build. That's all you can do. If it doesn't work and... You have to go with like I to me personally, I, I think there has to be another coach. I don't I don't think Dominic Ducharme is the guy. And I know when that fire happened and Ducharme came in, I was optimistic about it. But from what I've seen, it's the same problems as Julian. And Brad, you can speak to this on your side with Calgary. Um it it's hard to bring in a brand new system for a team that just fired their coach, especially in a COVID related year, when you don't have these practices that you normally would have Sutter's doing everything he can to adjust. Ducharme is too, but I see a lot of the same issues. Montreal playing very, very safe. Well, they don't have, I don't know. I think it takes an off season to truly fix. Yes. And I think, you know, go down a long road i think calgary will they're trying they're going to try to retool this on the fly when that yeah. might not be the the best way to go about it i don't know 
So you but, you're thinking more of a rebuild in Calgary than a retool. Well, that's probably what they should do, but they won't. They're yep. going to retool uh, and give another kick at the can, keep on going at it. They have this another this group under contract for another year. Mm-hmm. So next year they're going after it again. There's no question. Um, right move, time will tell. I say probably not. It hasn't I'll... worked uh, recently, but <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. But they're, they're winning right now. <laughs> Apparently, three in a row. Fuck. Now, because I follow Damon on Twitter, oh boy, I tend to see a lot of Habs talk <laughs> in my Twitter feed. And, and when you say talk, do you mean complaining about the refs? Well, there's that there's too, not that much. I mean, yeah. There's not that much. No. Yeah. I, I have a couple field Flyers fans on my feed, and they're worse than the Habs fans, actually. Yeah. I, can't, I can't argue that. Yeah. Flyers fans are worse. There's that whole Crosby aspect. Oh, but yeah, yeah. I see this uh, <laughs> argument with the Habs. You've even made it yourself, David, that the coach needs to let these kids go. Yes. Play offense. Yes. Now, my question to you is, do they have the guns, the, the bullets in the chamber, like, to let uh, the team – they you know, take the reins off and go score five goals a night because that's what I see they're missing. Like I, I, I don't disagree totally with the sentiment, but who's scoring ninety points in the season? If you say we're going to go all offense, who's that? I, I don't think Montreal has a high end offensive talent that puts up ninety points a year. Um, I do think they have a plethora of guys that could put up sixty to seventy points. Tatar being one of them. I think Nick Suzuki as he gets better. Um, and, and makes smarter decisions. I think he can put up points. I think Yaspari Kakaniemi can do the same thing. Jonathan Drouin has, has the ability to put up points. Whether he has the head capability, that's a mm-hmm. completely different question. Some days it looks like he is a 90-point guy in the NHL. Other days it looks like, how does this guy score 40 in a season? So, But right now he's dealing with an injury in his wrist. He cannot shoot the puck. Like, I don't know if you watched any Habs games. I saw, I think it was the Toronto game. He came in and he uh, took a wrister on Campbell. And it was the softest shot I've ever seen. He's coming in like a Zach Granke orifice pitch at 51 miles an hour. Oh, it was bad. He just, he's hurt. And he's acknowledged that he's hurt. But it's not hurt enough to take him out of the game. He's made some incredible passes to guys that are wide open. Like, yesterday's game brad you were watching it he set up shea weber in the slot where weber took a wrist shot that missed the net by 10 feet and like (laughs) weber was like hash marks yeah why are you not slap shotting that puck like if if you're gonna miss 10 feet miss with a slap shot yeah 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 i don't get it weber's hurt weber's a guy that can't that can put up 50 but i think he's playing hurt he looks awful yeah. Um, other guys that can put up points. Well, the other thing too is Petrie's really uh, his he's offensive regressed. numbers have really declined right now. Yes, and he looks like he's made some real boneheaded plays too defensively, yeah. just throwing pucks up the middle of the ice. Um, I think Josh Anderson is a guy that can put up 50, 60 points. Like he's he's played really well this year, and he's he's got some sniping ability. So I think Montreal has pieces as a team that can put up points. I think. I do think Luke Richardson as defensive coach needs to get the fuck out because that shit ain't working at all. Um, 
the whole Sean Burke aspect. He's just been brought in to take over as goaltending coach. We're not going to know about that until next season because he hasn't really worked a whole lot with Carey Price due to Carey Price being injured, though he's on the ice and practicing again. So I'm, and they just sent um, Caden Primo down to the AHL off of the taxi squad. So I'm guessing Price is back soon. I, I think they have horses to win. I don't know if the coaching is the right situation. And I think, I think the team needs time to gel. And I honestly, I haven't felt this good about the roster for the Habs in a while. I, but as far as having horses to go like 90 point guys, no, no not even close. Not Sounds like you're describing Calgary's roster to me. It could be. And I think Montreal has a lot of players that are very good defensively too. Like Nick Suzuki is a good two-way player. He's young though, and he'll get better as he gets older and, and more experienced. Kakanami, same thing. Deneau is one of the best two-way players or defensive centers anyway in the NHL. Yeah. Defensive, I'll give him, yeah. Yeah. Um, like, but he's put up 50 points in a season Like yeah. for a two-way player. That's great. It's no Patrice Bergeron. Let's, let's not sit there and say that he is going to put up 86 yeah. points yeah. in a season. He's not. You just described Michael Backlund. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <Go> ahead. <laughs> yeah. And, and then a guy like, um, Evans on that fourth line, a really young guy, he plays a very good defensive game can put in 20 points, 30 points in a season, which is great for a fourth line guy. Yeah. So Derek, they, Derek Ryan. Yeah, <laughs> they've got they've got a Ryan Paling who is tearing it up in the AHL right now. Yeah, um, there's there's other pieces in the AHL that uh, are, are looking to come up defensively. Josh Brook, um, you've got uh, Flurry in the background there. Like there's there's pieces. So it, it will it translate? That remains to be seen. I hope so because I I honestly I do feel really good about the roster that Montreal's put out there. I think Mark Bergevin's done a great job putting this team together. It's gonna it it you can't ha- expect it to come in a pandemic shortened season. Like that's a tough ask. Yeah, I look at that roster and I I don't disagree with a lot of what you said there, uh, but I do think that they are missing that. If they're gonna go and play offense, they are missing that top gun. Who For is sure, the they guy are. Who? Because even when you take the reins off, there's gonna be nights where things aren't gonna necessarily always go your way. Right. And you need that guy that you can fall back on. And I just don't see that guy in the system yet for the Habs. We stuff. had one guy in that system in the last twenty years. Alex Ovech, or sorry, Alex Ovech, and Alex, uh, Alex Kovalev. <laughs> Kovalev's the last guy that was a ninety-point guy yeah. on that team. No, and they don't grow on trees either. No, they do uh, not. They're not easy to find. So, <laughs> what Calgary did as far as pieces, uh, obviously Riddick picked them up a third. Sam Bennett. Bennett, what do you think of that Sam Bennett trade? You know, I think it's. I hate it. I hate to see him go. He's always a player that I wanted to see work in Calgary. They. He's the highest Calgary draft pick of all time at fourth. Which they've is never, crazy. They've yeah, never picked one, two, or three. So, and that was just an unlucky bust. Kind of like Edmonton with Yakupov. Yakupov was the number one draft rated uh, player that year. Yeah. Bennett was number one on some people's list. Uh, and it was Oilers picked her sidle right before. And yeah. Flames took Bennett. We thought we got to steal it, getting him at four and uh, just never translated to success. So I think he could use a change of scenery. I think the Flames getting 
the equivalent of two seconds yeah. is uh, a good return for him. Yeah, I would get, have been happy get a with one up, second. You get us. You get a straight up second, and we get a straight up second, and we got Florida second from last year. Yeah. Yeah. So I would have been okay with one. I think two. I think they got decent value for him, but I don't know. I think they could have tried. It sounds like they did try to move Derek Ryan, but there wasn't a market for him. I think that was because uh, the likely, you know, he's UFA in the off season, so. Yeah, he might be gone. Uh, I think they need to start thinking about positioning for Seattle. Maybe that's part of what the Bennett deal was. Maybe that mm-hmm. was positioning for Seattle, not having to protect them and worry yeah, about Seattle. Absolutely. Team. Who who do you see Seattle taking from Calgary in a draft? I see them taking all or who Schilling. No. Hmm. What about your Giordano? Giordano was, that was yeah, the name Gio. I was just going to put yeah. out there. Yeah. Unless I, where I was thinking going with that is like a lot of people say, do you expose Tanov over Giordano? Not a chance. Mm. Yeah, Tanov's been so their either. best defenseman this year and it's not even close. And so, he doesn't carry that huge price tag either. That Gio no, he does, doesn't. Right? Exactly. Gio's only one more year, but I could see Calgary being the way that they are in. I don't know. I you can they're gonna pick try up. To, they're going to try to hold on to him longer than they should, and they're going to try to give Seattle a sweetener not to take Giordano. That's a mistake. And I would agree. I think that they should. I they should have traded him and retained retained half. I honestly, I I see Montreal uh, putting up Weber. Okay. Potentially, well, whether whether a, now whether yeah. Whether Seattle takes him, that's a totally different situation. That's a different story for but sure. But Weber at his price tag now and the way that he's played, I it, to me it would make sense to go younger. Like you've you've got other players in that in that locker room now, and Brendan Gallagher is just ready to take over as captain of that club. Yeah. So I think a situation like that, they leave him exposed, but I don't see Seattle. Taking I I don't disagree with I you. I think. I think there'll be other talent out there. Yep. Like, there's gonna be a lot of teams that are gonna be leaving seven, you know, eight million dollar men. Yeah. To me, the the draw and for Seattle be, yeah, they'll, they'll would be, be that. that have actual, you know, who are still. Capable. I don't want to say. Yeah, they're not. Capable. I don't want to be the talk bad on Weber because I don't think he's a bad player whatsoever. I don't think so but, either. Yeah. Yeah. But there'll be players who are at a higher level in their game at those price tags if they want to take it to uh, yep. an $8 million player, I think. Yep. So. I don't disagree with that. The biggest thing though, is the draw for uh, Seattle would be is next year. Weber is only going to be paid 1 million bucks, but his cap hit is high. Yeah. So that's attractive uh, okay. to a team like yeah. Seattle, right? I don't have to pay Shea Weber more than a million bucks. And we come up to the floor with his money. Oh, it's Okay. Okay. So lots of people say that Weber is an untradeable asset. No, that sounds not. like a that sounds like a contract that should be playing in Arizona. Seriously, right? <laughs> <laughs> that Damon, that's not true. What do you mean? Uh, not this next, year. Ne- so this year he's six million. Yeah. Next year he's six million. The year after that he's three million. Oh, so I'm off by two years. You're off by a couple years. So 23, oh, okay. 24. My bad. He starts three years of a million bucks. Okay. That's my bad. Yeah. Yeah. And do you know who signed that contract? Who offered Nashville. that contract? No. Nashville. Philly. Oh, Philly yeah, that's right. That, that's that right. That Nashville was basically strong armed to sign. 
And that's well, they, why they were so strong arm to sign because it was a it was a restricted free agent contract, yeah. I believe. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah. So and the best part is if he re, if he was to retire, doesn't cost Montreal a thing. That goes back on to Nashville. Nashville, yeah, which should go back on Philly. It should, but <laughs> Jesus. the thing yeah. is though, Nashville signed the contract, right? I know yeah. they did. So they got stronger. Oh, they did. <laughs> but that, that's a good point. I think the cap hit is too high though. Uh, for them to eat eight million bucks for another five years after, like yep. for five years. Yep, that's tough. That's tough but, for sure. Yeah, yeah, that'd be a that'd be a fun podcast for us to do this summer when we're desperate for a topic. We'll uh, brutal contracts. We'll break down the no. We'll break down yeah. the the league and we'll oh yeah, yeah. all the, do the we'll do, do the, the Seattle expansion for sure. Hopefully, I have CFL <laughs> to talk about in that time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so. That's all I got for hockey, boys. How about you? That's I got nothing else. Son. Covered it for yeah. me. So then for we sure. are going to bring in our interview with James Duffy. Uh, this was recorded yesterday. I absolutely love this interview because it was fun. Uh, and, and Duffy I, says something hilarious. About um, Augusta? Uh, no, about himself. <laughs> I'm not going to. Not going to. I'm not going yeah. to lose yeah, yeah, it. Yeah. But you just got to listen to it. It's a good time. So here it is. Here's I, the interview. I just say I love the Augusta talk. Oh yeah, big time! Just Great stories out of unreal. That. Yeah, and, yeah, and and so take a listen. Here's uh, Brad, myself, and James Duffy uh, talking about all things uh, sports related. Joining us now on the podcast, very special guest James Duffy from TSN. Uh, James, how you doing? Good, gentlemen. How you guys doing? Thanks for having me. Yes, very yeah. good. Thanks for doing jumping. Fantastic on with here. Us. Uh, we, we're in two separate locations. Brad's in Regina. And right. I'm in, and I'm in the ass end of Manitoba in Winkler. So we, uh, you know, Damon, that's a closet behind you, right? But you've yeah. made a, you've done, you've done a good so, job turning a closet into a set. Yeah. I've tried, and it's actually you're not the first person to mention that. We had John yeah. Liu on one weekend, and he he ripped me for being in a closet. Too. <laughs> <laughs> but he did go through your uh, your jerseys with My the fine jer- foam, though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> majority of Habs jerseys it is no that's a good it's a good looking it's a good looking set buddy (laughs) so um for you like you you've had such an awesome career on TSN can you kind of thank you walk us through how this all came to be for you and and (laughs) for where you kind of got into this position where you're like the grand host of hosts when it comes to TSN everything uh, that's a big question. Uh, where do you want me to start? Like, uh, I was born a. You know, <laughs> no, you don't need to go. Poor sharecropper's son. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess that um, when I came to TSN, they hired me to be a host. So, going back to, I was in Ottawa working local news in Ottawa as a sportscaster. And that's when I got my audition for TSN. And uh, I actually didn't get the job. Uh, it was a sports center job, sports desk back then. And uh, Lisa Bose, who had been a reporter there, uh, got the job. And I took another job in Vancouver. And uh, I remember telling Keith Pelly, who's now the head of the European Golf Tour, who was my, the boss of TSN back then. Uh, he said, I really like you. I want to hire you, but I can't for this job. We're giving it to Lisa, sorry. And uh, I, uh, I said, okay, I'm going to Vancouver. Just don't call me and, you know, call me. I want to live out there for two years. So uh, 
don't uh, sorry my dogs will be uh, for your listeners uh, oh. very frequent interrupters of this uh, podcast oh, okay. go get a toy <laughs> um, <laughs> we got dogs we know what it's like oh i got three of them it's insane so uh anyway he called me six months later i went to vancouver and offered me the job to host nba and cfl so that was my first uh, job at tsn was hosting and uh and, you know i never i don't think i ever set out to be a host if like a lot of guys who get into sports casting, I, I didn't really think about it a lot, but I guess my dream was to do play-by-play uh, for football. If you'd asked me, you know, 17-year-old me, what do you want to do with your life? I would have said play-by-play for the NFL probably. Um, anyway, I, then I started doing sports desk. I, I left the hosting gig, and, and then I started doing some play-by-play for the CFL, which I was really loving. And I thought that was going to end up being my future. And... And then the hockey gig came up. We got the hockey rights back in 2003. And it's funny, I didn't even apply for the job. I really wasn't that interested in it. They hired somebody else. Um, and at the last second, she wasn't working out. And so a day before the season started, my boss called me and said, can you come up to, can I come up to your house? I need to ask you something. And, and he asked me if I would be the hockey host. And uh, so I took the job. And I guess that's a long-winded way of where I got here. How did I end up doing the other things? I suppose when we lost the national rights, whatever it was, seven years ago to hockey, uh, one of the things that it allowed, they said, uh, you know, would you like to host other things? Would you like to host the Masters and the Super Bowl and, and the Grey Cup and things like that? And uh, Obviously, yeah. She's like, yeah, no <laughs> kidding. Yeah. yeah, I would love to do all those things. And so, uh, and, and that's, it's great, actually. Like, I, I love hockey, but I really love a variety of sports. And so that part's been great to me. I didn't, I never just wanted to be a hockey guy. I wanted to do all those other things. And so I'm, it's, it's a really nice place where I am right now where I get to do all of these other gigs. Are you, are you going to push for Trade Center CFL pretty soon or what? <laughs> trade Center, I, I bear, I, I'm trying to push to get out of Trade Center hockey, so I don't want to add another Trade Center. On. I was yeah. going to say, like, with, when it comes to Trade Center, how does, like, we, like, for us, we're fans. We sit there sometimes. Okay, I book my day off and usually sit down and watch it. But Oh, uh, hey, we, we need more like you. Like, how does that day go? Because you guys at points must just be sitting there going, like, is anybody going to do anything today? <laughs> I, I've, I've gone through different stages, Damon, with this. Um, this look at us. So I'll introduce you to all my dogs. Oh, geez. I lost you a second there. Oh, oh, no. There's, uh, there's a willow. Oh. And there's the... The real pain in the ass is uh, Hugo. He's the one that, are these are these French bulldogs? I got two French bulldogs and a Boston Terrier. Look at that! And uh, right on. the little gray Frenchie is the one who makes the the most majority of the noise. Um, there you go. Case yeah. in point. On hey, I'm talking on a podcast. I know you don't know what a podcast is because you have a tiny dog brain, but you need to stop talking right now. Um, uh, so yeah. I, we started doing that in, I don't know, 2004, 2005, and it was daunting at first. I would, I would prepare for it like it was, I was taking my bar exams for law. Oh my and, God. It, you know, and then I realized it, you can't study for a trade deadline because you never know who's going where, who's going to who. And so after a while, I just gave up on that and just showed up and, and did the show, <laughs> uh, which, you know, your, your homework is just watching the games every right essentially as long as you know who all the coaches and the gms and some of the salary cap implications so i there were times i hated it i did because it's such a long day and your your brain gets fried 
a few years ago, I sort of came to terms with it and came to terms with the fact that there, there may not be any trades. And so my attitude going into trade deadline most days now is that there's going to be no trades. So as, as I think about it the night before, I say there's going to be zero trades. How are we going to fill whatever it is, 10 yeah. hours or nine hours? And uh, then any trade that happens I'm, is, is like a happy moment for me crazy, because I actually yeah. get a trade to talk about <laughs> But I will say we have a, a guy, the evil, the guy I talk about, the evil quiz master, yep. uh, is a guy is a guy named Steve Dryden who looks like Larry David and acts like Larry David. But he's uh, <laughs> incredibly, he does a lot of work. He puts together this giant, what he calls a missive, which is like a binder worth of ways to fill segments, right? A quiz, uh, this topic, this topic, that topic. On this particular day, we did that tradey bunch thing yeah. uh, where we, but the guys just told trade stories. And so we could fill the whole time with no trades. And that's kind of the way I look at it now is it's a chance to sit around and talk hockey with some really smart hockey guys, which, and we don't get together that often, the whole group of us for, for a full day. So uh, I, I've come to accept trade center for what it is. Uh, I'm still surprised people watch it, frankly. <laughs> it's a 10 <laughs> hour podcast. Uh, yeah. I think it just shows it's, it's really kind of a celebration of how goofy nuts we are about hockey in this country, right? Yeah. Because it's a dumbass show and there's hardly <laughs> ever big trades, but yeah. people still watch. And you know, the ratings for what it is are good. And so I just I just kind of I take it affectionately now as a sign of guys like yourself who just love hockey and or are just watching to like, you know, like rubbernecking at an accident scene to see how we fill the hours. <laughs> I know. I like a lot of the you times I'll be sitting. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's true. It's true. Like a lot of the times I'll be sitting there going like, okay, so this trade happened. Nobody cares about that trade, really. What are they yeah. going to talk about now for 45 minutes until the next? <laughs> yeah. <time? laughs> well, trust me, I'm having the same thoughts sometimes. And this year, because uh, it was such a goofy year and I was doing the Masters the week yeah. before, I was, I will say I was exhausted and I remember looking at like about 8.30 in the morning. I said, I don't know how I'm going to get, I get through this day, but, and I'm not a coffee drinker, so I can't caffeine myself. I need to get a crack cocaine habit probably. <laughs> <laughs> but I was going to say as a hockey fan, it's the trade deadline day and the free agent day, July 1st. Those are the two days that every hockey fan has marked on their calendars. And it's like, you know, if, if your team's going to be active, it's like Christmas morning all over again. Yeah. Well, Brad, I, you know, I think the free agent frenzy is actually a legitimate day. Yes. I mean, trade trade center is too, but for the most part, GMs have learned to get their business done before the deadline day. Uh, yeah. There's always going to be somewhere between 15 and 30 trades, most of them fairly minor. Uh, but the free agent frenzy to me, that that's a day when franchises change, right. And when massive mistakes are made and, uh, that that's a more exciting show because we'll come on the air at say 11 and at 12, the, the period opens and boom. Yeah. You have signing after signing for a couple of hours. So that show is a, I think a harder news and more impactful show generally than trade deadline, but for whatever reason, I guess, because it's during the season trade deadline gets more buzz. Well, I like how they open it up for the GMs to officially talk to the free agents a period of time before yeah. because i mean you, you know when noon hits what are the gms doing calling up a free agent and all of 30 seconds negotiating a brand new contract and the terms of it you know let's this year that window wasn't open if i remember correctly for right. whatever reason and and 
and it still happened. So everyone yeah. knows it's, it's a wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Obviously they always talk. You're so right about them, at least acknowledging that they talk with this period. But yeah. this year, again, they, I think there was no, there was no talking period this year. I may, I stand corrected perhaps, but I, I, I remember I it for whatever was. reason. Yeah. And then they still, you know, still at 1201 <laughs> guys are signing rapid yeah. fire negotiations. Yeah. It's hilarious. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the Masters. That's probably one of your favorite weekends as far as sports goes. Before it we really get to is. there, I, yeah, I was going to say, you've covered a whole bunch of major sports events. You know, we mm -hmm. talked about Super Bowl. Uh, there's Great Cup, World Juniors, the Masters, everything NHL. Is the Masters number one for you? That's a real tough one. For On an annual basis... Uh, the Masters and the World Juniors are really neck and neck. And I, I would probably say the World Juniors is number one, particularly when it's in Canada and, and it's not in the middle of a pandemic. With, with and you, uh -huh. Yeah, and you're in you know, some real good Canadian city and, and it's, uh, the building is packed and Canada's playing the U.S. on New Year's Eve or in the semifinal. That's pretty hard to beat, mm -hmm. I think, from, uh, from a, a fan's perspective and from me being a host. But the Masters is special simply because, you know, as you guys know, it symbolizes in Canada, I think, the start of everything, right? Usually Masters week, the playoffs are about to start in hockey and basketball and golf season is just around the corner. And so, and getting down there at Augusta National, it's such a special place. Like it never, ever gets old to me. This year I had to stay home because of, uh, because of the COVID situation, the fact that Trade Center was on Monday. Yeah. But uh, I still I still love it. Like I've that's my if I was just just as a fan, I think that's my favorite event of the year. I haven't gotten to be a, just a fan and sit and watch it for a long time. But uh, it's a it's a real honor to cover it. I love it. Do you go so golf do you, lots? Sorry. Do you get out in golf lots? I do. I was actually that's why I'm late today. Is I, uh, was <laughs> oh, right on. <laughs> that's OK. I was and we had a very slow group in front of us. So I. I uh, thought it, when I booked you guys, I thought, okay, yeah, no problem. I can make it. And then I get off the 18. I'm like, oh, crap. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I love, I love golfing. I don't pretend yeah. to be great at it, but I, I, I love golf. Yeah, I heard you got a new driver. How's that working for you? <laughs> really good. <laughs> yeah. Right shout, shout out to TaylorMade and the, and the Sim, too. No, it's, uh, yeah. yeah, I like it. Uh, I love that gear. So if, if you were to ask me, probably, it was funny. The other night we were sitting in the studio and, that same guy, the evil quiz master, we were talking about golf. It was Dave Poulin and I and Jeff O'Neill and Darren Drager. And uh, we were talking about golf during the third period of a Leafs game. And uh, the quiz master said, that is not guys... lost on me. <laughs> he said, uh, he said, do you guys like golf? Like if you had to choose between golf and hockey, and all four of us said golf. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and he was so depressed. <laughs> and it's not because, look, we all love hockey, all right? Like Dave Pullen was a Selkie winner. Jeff O'Neill scored 40 goals in the NHL. Dregs and I have covered it our whole lives. Mm -hmm. We love hockey. But I think when you cover a sport full-time, uh, you know, you're, you're more right. – yeah, and, and, and golf is more of a passion for me. Uh, I would only get to cover it a couple of weeks a year, and it's your escape, so, you know, and golf also signifies sort of the end of hockey season and our vacation. So uh, I love hockey, uh, but – yeah, I really love golf. <laughs> I, yeah, I really love golf. I was gonna say, did you approach TSN to do Trade Center virtually from down in Augusta? <laughs> I tried, <laughs> try, Brad. I tried everything I possibly could do to actually get down to Augusta, yeah. and 
we could have made it actually like I could have gotten back, but two things, if there was a Monday playoff in the masters mm -hmm. or a rain delay, we would have been screwed. And secondly, just from a COVID standpoint, even though the guys would go to masters, stay in a bubble and we were all COVID tested and everything. I don't think the uh, optics would have been great about me being no. in Augusta, Georgia on Sunday and being in the studio with other people on Monday. And That's I totally, I totally respect that. Yeah. That's a good point. Actually. I never even thought about them from that. Yeah. Besides the uh, pimento cheese sandwiches, what's the number one thing you missed? Uh, uh, Augusta. <laughs> I've still never had one of those. I oh, can't, are you serious? I can't. Oh, no. Yeah. I had <laughs> like the, the egg salads. I'll do like crazy. Yeah. Uh, who, you know, who I ate I, like a ton of them over these. Last yeah, Delet, Delet, yeah, right. yeah. 20, 23 or something like that. <laughs> oh. uh, I, I think I miss just uh, just walking the golf course, which every single every single year on the Monday or the Tuesday uh, when we first get there, once our work is done or before our work is done, I'll just go out and walk the entire golf course, which is I would never do anything anywhere else, and I've done it twenty times at Augusta, but I still I just love it there. It's such a it's like I compare it to like the Truman show. It's like this fake alternate universe, right? Yeah, because when yeah. I was, a, when I was a kid and I dreamt about going to Augusta and I never thought it would happen in my life. I'm a kid growing up in the suburbs of Ottawa. And I always envisioned as I'm sure you guys do like driving down a, a winding country road with all these Georgia pine trees and you come across Magnolia lane. And instead it's, it's right off the interstate off the, you know, this crappy little strip you you drive <laughs> yeah. past who you know about 500 meters past hooters is the turn off into magnolia lane so it's not what you would imagine but then when you get in there it's just so everything's so perfect and pristine and there's not one pine needle out of place and yeah uh so just that that part of it is what i love oh for sure now you've you've played augusta national I have. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's my, uh, when I, when I'm playing with new guys, like the odd, let's say the odd time you go out golfing, you know, and you just hook up with a, another, another twosome or something. This is like my, my number one asshole thing to do is I'll go. Uh, so, uh, what's your, where you guys play? What's your favorite golf course? And some guy will go, uh, Oh, you know, uh, whatever, uh, wooden sticks in Toronto or London municipal or something. And they'll go, what about you? And I'll be like, Augusta National. Yeah, I played there a few years ago. <laughs> Not a big deal. <laughs> Such a jerk move. Yeah. Yeah, I got I, I got to play, uh, I guess, 2016. There's a, a media draw every year, and uh, it was my turn, and it was uh, it really a surreal, surreal day. Uh, I, I don't know if you've heard the story. I think I wrote about it in one of my books, but I, uh, I, I realized the last second I only had one ball in my bag, because basically it's April, right? You pull your bag out of the garage in Canada and bring it down there. So Monday morning, I, I realized I only had one ball. So my whole crew was gone. I was taking a cab to the golf course and I'm like, is there, is there anything open? I need to get golf balls. And the only thing open was Walmart. And so I had to buy a dozen top flight hot XLs <laughs> to, to show up at Augusta national. And it was so embarrassing. And then you're on the range and all the caddies are lined up uh, on the range. And basically you pick a spot and wherever you pick, you're going to get that caddy and they're all in the white gear, just like at the, at the masters and all the balls there, of course, are pro V's with a, the Augusta logo on. Them. Yeah. And so I hit a couple and <laughs> picked up, I'm looking at this ball and I look at the caddy, like, like I want to take some of these balls, right. I give him that look. <laughs> <laughs> and he just kind of rolls his eyes and turns around and looks the other way. And I dump, <laughs> about, dump about nine into my bag. Uh, 
If you so did you give them all back to the course? Uh, no, they're for no, sure but in his I, bag. Yeah, no, I played. I definitely Nerd. played. I played it with an. Uh, I played it with an Augusta National practice ball. That's what I played the course as because I wasn't. <laughs> I, mean, I wasn't breaking breaking out the top flight hot XL. No, no, but. But yeah. but I mean, do you put him back in the water type thing or spray? Oh, into the I know I, <laughs> I did. I I lost only. Uh, I lost two balls that day. I hit okay. a ball into the bush on ten, which a bush that I never even knew existed because you don't see it on TV until Rory hit it in there this year. I was sitting at home. Yeah. I, I was telling the guys, I was sitting at home going, Hey, that's my bush. That's the first <laughs> time I've seen that bush <laughs> and uh, made like a nine. And then uh, I, I put one in the water on, on 15. But besides yeah. that, what I always tell people when they ask me about Augusta national, it's incredibly playable. You play it off the, the members tees, which were basically the same tees when tiger won in 97 but they've moved all the tee boxes back because of technology since then. So it's, it's a very playable golf course uh, uh, and, and fairly not easy tee to green, but very manageable. And it's just really hard around the greens. Yeah. I got three, three putted, I think 12 times or something stupid. So, yeah. yeah. So I was going to say you're, you're about a 12 handicap. I think I heard. Yeah. I, I don't, I, I have to, sh- Oh Jesus. Well, oh, no. <laughs> we blew up. Yeah, <laughs> I think my I think my index was like nine point eight or something at the end okay. of the year ten, so somewhere in there, yeah. Okay, and if you don't mind me asking, what did you shoot on that course? Like you always shoot like the yeah. I shot ninety two, and I counted oh, every stroke. Like I I made a ten on ten, so I it was better than that. And I three putted like I hit, you know, for my first round of the year. And once you got over the intimidation of Augusta, yeah, no kidding. I I was I was fine. I just kept having. I kept having like 45 footers for birdie and the greens are so slick and the caddies are super helpful, mm-hmm. but I would put it 10 feet by and then miss the comebacker every single hole, miss yeah. the comebacker, miss the comebacker, miss the comebacker. So I played better than my score indicated, but I was just happy that I didn't, you know, put a 135 or something on the card <laughs> after, you know, the first the time at Augusta of, National. Yeah, that's the kind of a course where if you're not golfing that all the time, you got to go into it. Just enjoy the, the everything about it, just right. the majesty of it. For sure, for sure. See, I look at holes like 12, 13, and 15 as ones where if you hit the green on the back of the green, putting back towards the hole, if you don't right. watch out, you, you can put your ball in that creek. So 12, the most, the most intimidating shot was the 12 T shot, just because it's, you know, the history that goes with that, that hole. And the, um, the year I played was the year that Spieth uh, made the eight on 12 and put mm-hmm. two in the water. And we actually went down and found his divots. Uh, and by the way, it was, uh, I, I still can't believe he did that because it's not, you know, it's as tough as that hole was where he dropped from was a really good angle. And I'm sure you could put a thousand balls down there on a normal day and Jordan would put a thousand balls within 20 feet of the cup. Yeah. And for him to hit two in the water down there or sorry, one in the water down there, I guess is, yeah. uh, is unbelievable to me, but I, I hit a good, really good tee shot and just clubbed up once. And I, it, it hit, took bounce once and just dribbled into the back right bunker. And then that, that bunker shot was incredibly intimidating because it's right straight downhill oh, yeah. into the water. And I, I tried to aim like way behind the ball and I hit it like 12 feet in the air and about a foot long, just yeah. trickled onto the green. <laughs> so I made a four. So I just tell everybody I, I beat Spieth by four. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not going to stoop down to everyone else's level and ask if TSN is uh, 
taking applications for the Augusta <laughs> crew. Actually, you know what I am. <laughs> Where can I send my resume? <laughs> sure, you just you just uh, you send it to me, buddy. I'll take yeah, care of you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Long list. <laughs> do, do you mind if we uh, get into Chris Schultz? No, not at all. Of course. Okay, good. It's uh, for sure him being um, the amazing analyst that he was. One of the things that I thought uh, of seeing Chris on TSN and in seeing you two that the camaraderie that you guys have, just that that. that amazing chemistry can you tell us about that relation that you guys had well he was the very first person i ever met at tsn so when i told you about getting hired in 98 to host cfl um so my i showed up in toronto and the first thing i had to do was go to a meeting i probably went into work and i guess met my bosses who'd hire me but that's about it and so the cfl crew was having a meeting at a hotel um, the Western Prince Hotel in Toronto. And I walked in and I was looking for the room where we were having the meeting and, and Schultz, he walked into the lobby. And of course I recognized him. The guy is just this massive human being, six, nine or whatever it is. And, you know, two eighty. And, uh, so I, I met him that day and, uh, we were in it together, right? We were both, I, I'd been a sportscaster before, but I'd never hosted a national TV show and he'd never been on television before. And so we were kind of, I think there was this camaraderie of these two rookies kind of in it together. Eric Tillman was the other guy on the show that year. And uh, so Schultze and I, you know, we, we bonded over that. I, I he was a fun, he was a funny guy. He always wanted to watch tape, right? He was a football guy. So we'd do a double header for CFL be one o'clock in the morning. He's like, Duffy, we're going to watch tape. And we'd go <laughs> and watch and, and we'd watch ourselves do like the half times over again. It was, it's so narcissistic really. And looking back at it, but we were, but he wanted to learn, right. Did he, did he say this, right. Did he say this, right. Did he look at the right camera? And uh, we would do that every day, basically for the first two years on the job. And so Schultz, he was a, he was a tough nut to crack for people. I think he intimidated a lot of people just because of his stature, but uh, I guess he trusted me because we were in it together from the beginning. And so when we would work on Super Bowls, I went a bunch of years without working with Schultz a lot. And when I was doing hockey and then started doing Super Bowls again, and we did the last seven Super Bowls or whatever together. Uh, yeah. I just think we had that, that great relationship from the beginning. And he was, uh, he's, he was a one of a kind dude. That one hit me really hard because he was just, I'm not sure that there is a more larger than life character in all my time at TSN. Uh, he was just a funny, funny guy. I told this story at his, at his funeral and I'll, and I'll tell it to you now. And uh, Schultz did not want to wear the earpiece and stop me. If you guys have heard this, because if I told, no, on no, TSN, go, heard I, it. I have, but, but go uh, ahead. It's an awesome story. Yeah. Yeah. So he did, he didn't wear, I uh, want to wear the earpiece that you need to wear in television because he said there's too many, voices in my head already uh, and, <laughs> and so by the third night our producers like Schultz if you're ever gonna get good at this you got to wear your earpiece and so he reluctantly put, put one in and they tried not to talk to him and we were at halftime and we were doing a panel right before the kickoff of the second half and Schultz was going on too long we were going to miss the kickoff so the producer finally had to get in his ear and, and yelled Schultz shut up we're going to miss the kickoff get it back to James so uh, this is what came out on TV. I'll be Schultze. He's like, uh, if the Argos are going to get back in this game in the second half, they have to establish a running game. Shut up, Schultze. Get it back to James. We're going to miss the kickoff. He just said exactly what the <laughs> producer, like, 
I think he thought, I think he thought that the producer was his brain speaking to him. And, uh, and so, you know, dumb football player jokes, but Schultz, made fun of it himself. And man, we laughed about Burgundy. Yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say that. It's hilarious. Yeah. (laughs) We laughed about that story for years. Right. And he's, you know, he was very self-deprecating in in who he was because he got to be such a great analyst, as you said, Uh, really, he was the face of football on TSN for two decades. So I really love that guy. He was a, had a massive heart um, for, you know, this big rough exterior. And we would, ha- we just had some really, really good times together. And so, yeah, I, I'm, I miss him a lot. He was awesome. For sure. Now, was that something he was able to, you know, uh, get a, get a feel for the ear piece and, you know, uh, learn oh, yeah, to work with it or he just didn't. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> I think, I think he just, he got good at it. It's, it's yeah. one of the awkward things I think when people first start in television is, this idea of you speaking and someone speaking to you while you're speaking and it can really throw you for a loop, right? It's a left side, right side brain thing. And uh, there's not a lot of real skills in television, but I think one of them is being able to talk while someone is talking to you, like the producers in my ear saying, James, we need to fill for another 30 seconds here. So just keep talking. Right. And when you still have to try to make sense and, uh, Schultz, got really good at it by the time he was done, obviously. What a oh, for sure. He had too. <laughs> Man, he, he was awesome on, on, on the show. I absolutely love listening to you guys talk football. Thank so you. Speaking of CFL, where do you see hmm. this next year coming about with the possible, uh, collaboration with the XFL? I'm optimistic. We'll see football, but, uh, you know, well, I, I, I don't know. And I'm still trying to wrap my head around this. And I, I saw a tweet the other day from somebody in the States saying that one of the things they've discussed was just a, a grand championship game between the two leagues at the end of the season. And I said, well, that's, that's not a merger that, that no. everyone's been, been focused on. So, you know, were we jumping the gun here? Have, have they realized that, you know, there, there really isn't, a possibility of they're too different to to have a merger uh, but you know that was just one tweet but that sort of caught my eye so there, it's been kind of quiet since the initial reports came out of them uh, you know actually talking to each other i don't have look in my perfect world the cfl would stay the cfl we would get a team in halifax it mm-hmm. would remain i love the cfl passionately it's what i grew up on with my dad going to ottawa rough rider games and that's the way I love the CFL. I am a realist, though, and I listen to guys who, um, you know, the insiders like Dave Naylor, who talk to the, the, the governors and the owners a lot more than I would. And, you know, when Dave says this might be the only way to survive, then I think you have to, if, if that is the case, if we're in that dire straits, then I think we'd be, you'd be fools not to, not to at least listen and see what this is. I have trouble with the concept of four down football, you know, and I, I'm one who, I'm not one of these guys who loves CFL or I, I hate people that can't stand the CFL and they're big NFL guys or vice versa. If you love football, you love football. Exactly. And I, I, I love them both. I'll watch college. I'll watch high school. I'll watch anything, but uh, I do think it'll be a really hard sell. Where do you guys, where are you guys from? Both of you? I'm in Regina. Yeah. And, and then, yeah. Okay. So I mean, I'd be curious to you, but don't you think, Four down football in a merger with the XFL is a tough sell in Regina and Winnipeg and places like that. See, sure. I'm a se- yeah, I'm a season ticket holder myself. And yeah. 
it, it's one of those things that you balance the risk of your own demise versus, uh, you know, having a, you know, a product. To, yeah, exactly. You losing yeah. the history versus your own demise. And yeah, I'd prefer stay three down football, mm-hmm. but if it meant that we're not going to be able to see CFL football anymore until some other organization comes up and, you know, creates a league, then I guess I have yeah. to be okay with it. That's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, See, and, and I, I, that's the Canadian way to look at it, probably, isn't yeah, it? Really? Exactly. Yeah, like for yeah. for me, I am I prefer NFL over CFL. I do like the right. game of CFL. Yeah, yeah. But I I don't think like I would prefer it to be a three down league because that differential is so huge in in the Canadian makeup of the game, right? Like you you look at the NFL, it's it's become a passing game. The CFL still has three th- or a thousand yard rushers on three downs, which is an incredible thing. I love that the field is different. I, like you need that it's competition mm-hmm. to the NFL, but in a different way, like not directly, obviously, because it would never be mm-hmm. able to compete, but it's, it's just seeing that difference in a game that makes it so much more enjoyable to, for me as an I, NFL I, fan. I just do not see Dwayne, the rock Johnson and all these money people from the States accepting three down football. I I agree with you. I think that would be the thing that would separate it, but they're going to want four down football. They feel that's their way to attract, you know, the American audience when the NFL is not on. And the whole thing was scheduled too. I just, um, you know, like Brad was saying there, he would accept it if there's nothing else, but if they really want to play a spring league that ends, you know, before labor day, Oh, yeah, man, I just don't. I, I don't know how that works in Canada. So, I, I'm I'm eager to find out what this plan is and what the possibilities are. But in in my perfect world, uh, you know, the CFL somehow survived uh, as a Canadian league. I know we, we had John Liu on our podcast, and he was ta- we were talking about this with him, and he had brought up something that he had heard, which I thought was an interesting concept. Do it like baseball, ALNL have the CFL home games, like say if they were to have a merged league, have the CFL mm-hmm. home games three down, you go over uh, over the line to go down to the States to play. Now you're playing four down. Could you? It would be. Is that, is that very like, it's, it's different such a games? Diff- for yeah. sure. Games, different size of players and everything, different type of athletes. Uh, it's, I don't know, man, that's, that is really complicated. So, but again, Let's see what they come up with. I just hope that uh, we still have a Saskatchewan Rough Riders and Winnipeg Blue Bombers um, when this is all said and done with. Well, I mean, where's your favorite place to travel for uh, for CFL games? Like, do you, like, uh, is it, uh, so let's say Vancouver, we have like a world class city, or is it uh, uh, more so for in stadium atmosphere or back home not- to Ottawa? I'm not sucking up. It'd have to be Sasky just because yeah, yeah. of the, just because, <laughs> just because of the atmosphere there. Although Ottawa is great. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I will say yeah. that the chance Ottawa has, you know, from, from, from two football teams dying there, they really Jeff Hunt and his crew did an unbelievable job of not only revive. Have you guys been able to, I guess you've never been able to be to a game in Ottawa. Yet, oh yeah. Or- yeah. I went to inauguration year when the riders played, I think it was August long weekend. And oh, perfect. That was awesome. We stayed, yeah. we were in the old side, which is north side or south side? 
The old, so the old side now is the north side. North side, okay. South, so yeah, south side they built new stands. Okay, so yeah, they went back and forth like south side sucks, north side sucks. Like yeah, yeah, it's kind of like in Regina, you know, north of Dudney versus south of Dudney, but that yeah. was in the stadium, hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, you know, they built all the bars and restaurants around. Mm -hmm. uh, it, they they've done a really good job there. So yeah, I do love Ottawa, but I just think there's there's nowhere where the passion is like Sasky. Now yeah. in November for a great cup when it's cold, I'm a little soft, oh, yeah. you know, I'm a soft Ontario yeah. boy. We even took a boat from downtown kind of oh, yeah. close to the yeah. locks to the Rideau the canal. canal all the way. Yeah. It was, it was yeah, awesome. awesome. What an That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Winnipeg's great too, by the way. I, you don't need to, like, <laughs> I, when it comes to teams, I have no allegiance in the CFL. Okay. I, well, because TSN... Go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, I've 100% gone to a Riders game in Saskatchewan with the Bombers jersey on. The Bombers are getting hammered, and that jersey comes off, and I'm wearing a Sasky shirt. So like, <laughs> nice. that has happened. But That's TSN, smart. they've done the, uh, got the noise meters going at both stadiums, and they're, I don't know, Winnipeg might even beat us the one year, but it's comparable. That's for sure. For sure. Yeah. It's, yeah. The Sas yeah, Saskatchewan Stadium is an amazing facility. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. incredible. Bombers like uh, IG Field. It's got its issues. It's nice. It, it's, yeah, nice. it's got its yeah. issues. Yeah. I haven't been it's, yet. So it's a nice stadium. Yeah. For sure. Um books, you've written three of them. Mm -hmm. What is that process like? Like to me, I'm fascinated by this because where do you find the time to be able to do something like this? Well, I, I think my my television uh career there's a bit of an illusion there where <laughs> you get no where you guys think you're you, you think we're on all the time right because you don't really notice when we're not on and let's say so let's say this week for example take out take trade center out of the equation because this was a but a normal week i have a i did a leafs game on monday night and uh, i do the leafs and god i don't know who would have played on thursday night but i'm doing that game as well I probably should know that since I'm doing it tomorrow night. Um, so <laughs> I only have two, I only have two games, but okay. We'll do a panel after the game that will air the next day. So it appears that I'm on all week, but really I only uh -huh. work two nights that week. So uh, I do, there is time. It is a lot to write a book. When you say the process, you're right. Uh, it's an all consuming sort of six months to a year. Uh, every day you're thinking about it or writing or trying to do an interview. The last book I did beauties in particular was a lot of work because I had to, I had to get a hold of the guys, you know, and it's not necessarily easy to get Sidney Crosby or Bobby Orr or whatever to get two hours of their time, come up with stories. And then you have to write the book afterwards. So a book is just all consuming. And so when you're finished it, it's really satisfying because unlike television where you do a panel or something and then it's gone, right? It goes poof into the air. Yeah. It's not like you'll, you'll sit around in 20 years going, Hey, remember that panel I did after the Leafs jets game. <laughs> but, but when you have a book, it's kind of there forever. So I, I think it, that part of it is really satisfying, but it's a hell of a lot of work. Do you feel yeah, like yeah. you have a favorite one that you've written? I guess I'm, I'm probably most proud of beauties because it's, it's the closest thing to an actual book, like telling stories. The guy on the left, which is the book I wrote before that is not an autobiography, but it's kind of stories from my life. So that's probably the book that I wrote for the idea of, you know, having something for my grandkids to say, here's what granddad did, right? Here's, that's cool. here's how, how he got into his business. I, I wrote that for a, that selfish reason. So in many ways, that's probably the book I'd pass on to my kids, but I'm more proud of beauties 
because it was a more of an actual, you know, uh, an actual book yeah. <laughs> process of telling 50 stories or whatever. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not much left for us to ask. I, I guess just one of the things, where do you find this passion that you have for sports and, and to be able to bring it onto the screen on into the pages of your books? Like you, you've, everybody can see that you are an entertainer, but uh, you're also incredibly knowledgeable and that passion for whatever game that you are covering. How do you, how do you find that? How do you, how do you harness that into what you're doing? It's a great question. I, I, you know, first of all, you're so lucky to be doing this right when when I was I was like everybody else as a kid who wanted to be a professional athlete I, I was so delusional I thought up until grade 12 that I was going to play for the 49ers I 100% believe that I was a five foot 10 155 pound uh, mediocre speed white cornerback and I really thought I was <laughs> playing for the 49ers um, and so you know, I, I knew I, I had to have a life in sports because I really wasn't good at anything else. And frankly, I'm still that way. If I didn't find my way into broadcasting, I have no idea what I'd be doing because I'm not really, you ask my wife, I'm not good at anything. Uh, <laughs> so um, that's, I think part of it is just the passion of knowing how lucky you are to have the job. And so when you realize how lucky you are to have the job, then how can you not pour everything into it as far as, as passion and, and be as knowledgeable as you can. I will be frank with you guys. You like anything else when you get older and uh, I don't know if you guys have kids yet, but I'm not as passionate as I was about sports sure. when I was, you know, 30 or 25, when you're watching everything, I don't know as much as I, the craziest thing is I've reached a, you know, a higher point in broadcasting, but I don't probably don't know as much as I did when I was 25. Right. When I knew, I knew everything about college football and college basketball. And I knew everybody's uh, uh, batting average and majors. And now I kind of more focus on, I know hockey still, I know golf because I covered, I know football because I'm passionate about it, but I'd be exposed. Like if you guys had me on and asked me baseball questions, I'd be terrible now because I just don't have the time or the passion to get into every single sport anymore. Yep. So I've, I've kind of, I've kind of limited it that way, but you have a responsibility to love what you do when you get to do something that is as lucky as we are to do it. And so I think it's as simple as that, basically. Yeah. Is, is this something that you pass on to your kids? Yeah, except my kids never, uh, they never, none of them are diehards. My son's a really good athlete. And, uh, but he, when I could tell when he was young, he wasn't the kid that wanted to watch every single hockey game right. or every single fo football game. Uh, he's more like, he's a good golfer. He's a good hockey player, a snowboarder but he's not like he won't sit around and watch games. My two daughters were good athletes as well, but they're not, you know, diehard sit down and watch the Leafs game type of uh, type of people. And my wife is not a sports fan at all. And I think that's kind of the reason we ended up together because when you are in my job where you talk about, you know, the jets power play all day, it's nice to come home and not talk about that. And we, yeah. we, we rarely have sports conversations, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, well, look at you now. You've been to how many Super Bowls? More than you would have been to if you were on the 49ers. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, it's, it's, it's true. I think probably 10. And uh, yeah. Uh, I, hey, I had a, a Ray Ferraro always bugs me about my illustrious flag football career. So that was almost <laughs> like playing in the NFL. There you go. What's it, what's it like work, working with Ray? Uh, he's a good dude. You know, he's... Uh, uh, we, we give each other a very hard time. Uh, 
same as like a guy like O-Dog. It's, there's a lot of chirping. Just I think it's because they're ex-athletes, right? And everybody in this business, we're, we're kind of like that. So there's relentless chirping. But Ray's a, Ray's a really good dude. Really good dude. Like I enjoy the, the – I don't see him much during the year because we're not in the same place. We only talk to each other on television. But yep. when we go to the Stanley Cup final most years, non-pandemic years, that's a really good time. You know, we'll go for uh, dinners every night. and uh, uh, It's a lot of fun. Those are, you know right what, on. and I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying this just because one of the reasons I've stayed at TSN for so long and that I love it so much is there's no assholes. I mean this. They're like, it's a really good group of guys. Like Bob McKenzie, Darren Drager, like the, these are some of my best friends in the world, right? Yeah. And uh, these are guys I golf with in the summer. Uh, and they're, they're just good, good people. Um, the women there are amazing and, and very talented. And so mm-hmm. when you can, when I can, and I'm not, like I said, I'm not BSing. There's really nobody I don't like at TSN. Uh, and that says something. So and that makes it a really good place to work when you can go on a different panel, whatever the sport is. And I know I'm going to like the people that I work with. That's Probably cool. builds a better uh, chemistry and translate to a better for sure for sure for sure well there you go uh james duffy thank you so much for joining us on the podcast man it's been a pleasure having you and can't wait to see what you bring to us next on tsn uh thank you so much for for having the boys and uh uh congratulations on the pod keep it up and uh i will retweet it as soon as you send her out awesome thank you so much thanks james have a good one thanks have a great day Thanks. thanks boys I think <laughs> I think my favorite story out of that whole thing is Duffy talking about um, him being on like rolling up to Augusta and how it's just on one side of it. You would look at it and you go like, this is so underwhelming. I'm coming yeah. to Augusta National. This is the greatest golf tournament uh, and, and one of the greatest courses in the world. And here I am. I, I don't, I don't understand what's going on. And then you turn and you look at the other side where Augusta is. And it's like, he, he described it as a whole different universe. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. I think that's hilarious. Here, here's the crappy thing. Uh, I've heard it told numerous times from other people. If you get selected for the uh, media round for the, right. day after the masters, you, they give you a ticket or a card and it says show up at, you know, nine twenty six AM for your, you know, for your tea time. And you don't dare show up a minute before that because you're not getting in. And it's not one of those things where you can't show up at 825 to go wander around and grab a day at Augusta. Yeah. That's yeah, that, yeah. You're not getting in until the, the set time on your yeah. card. And there is nothing there on that strip. That yeah. Is. It's not like you can do anything. So you're just no. sitting and waiting. Yeah, exactly. Strip malls and, you know, just, yeah. That's, that's actually perfect. You can just listen to the High and Wide podcast while you're waiting to play Augusta. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> uh, a big thank you to James Duffy for joining us on the podcast this week. That was awesome. I uh, hope to have him on again. And absolutely loved all of the Schultz stuff. Chris Schultz, of course, passed away uh, yeah. a couple of weeks ago. Our, uh, rest in peace for Chris Schultz. Tremendous, tremendous analyst on uh, TSN for the CFL and just a, a good human being too. So yeah. that was some great talk. Um, I don't have much else for today, boys. We do have stump to chump. Brad, you got some questions? I do. Do you have me to fire away here? Yeah, we can do that. Uh, Kev, right. obviously you're not going to really be a part of this unless you want to take guesses. I'll, uh, 
I'll let you guys know when I think I have an answer, but I won't okay. ruin your uh, ruin your fun here. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, uh, Brad. Yeah, you you start us off. Let's go. Something to jump. All right. Well, I'm clearing out my bank of trivia questions that I built up, and after this, I'm down to nothing. So I have to uh -oh. start. Uh, <laughs> mining some more questions here and i stole okay. one from you earlier <laughs> uh okay mlb the longest contract we have set up right now in mlb bryce harper signed for 13 years fernando tatis signed for 14 years but that's not the longest contract that's currently being paid out right now uh Shit. what is that contract oh i forget his name i know New who he New York I Mets. I know who it is. Bobby Bonilla. Oh, shit. <laughs> That's yes. it. So, so here's this the deal. This motherfucker's getting paid for like yes. 10 more years or something like this? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, 13 more years. So, <laughs> what? no, 14. So, yeah. what happened in 2000, there must have been a change of ownership or something, but he had $5.9 million remaining on his contract in 2000, in the year 2000. Oh, my God. So, he renegotiated it so that he it was arranged to pay him 1.1 million dollars for 25 years but starting in 2009 so he was waiting almost 10 years for that contract to, to receive kick in yeah so now in 2009 he got the first of 25 payments for 1.1 million dollars and that goes until 2034 who made this deal? Also, Bobby no, no, I mean on the Mets part, because like, yeah. why are you signing that? It, they're only it's, paying him $1.1 million. So in Major League Baseball world, I know that's cheap. That, that, that's not much at all, right? I know that. And but still. With Benilla, it, I've seen a documentary on this, on his, like just on this contract. It is extremely yeah. interesting. But Benilla says like, I lived a life where I couldn't trust myself with money, so I needed to make sure I had a retirement fund past baseball. <laughs> and he's so that's what he did is he worked his contract out to get 1.1 well past his playing days. And it's yeah. it's considered one of the smartest contracts in, in, in all sporting history. It's, Absolutely. Yeah. How he arranged that was just phenomenal. Well, and it's just like, wasn't his agent like an insurance, insurance agent as well or something like that? Agent hated it. His, his agent, agent hated it. Because he took a oh. major hit on it. Like, oh, yeah, took, I guess as far as He's money taking goes, way yeah. less money on it now. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because they, uh, they get a cut of whatever they get that percent, right now. Yeah. And so now if, it's being smaller and deferred. Does his yeah. does his agent have anything to do with this contract? Or was this a Bobby Bonilla thing? And if it's just a Bobby Bonilla thing, why would his agent take anything? His agent did it because uh, he had been with them for as long as he was. And Benio, this is what he wanted. And if his agent wasn't going to do it, he was going to find somebody else to do it himself. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah. wow. It's That's a cool story. I can't remember the name of the documentary, but it's out there. It's very interesting. So, for Mets fans, there's a thing called Happy Bobby Benio Day. <laughs> <laughs> Day. I love it. <laughs> oh, that's great. Question yeah. number two. And it falls on the day that his contract comes. Is yes. That he yes, gets his $1.1 million every year. That's exactly That's it. It's happy Bob and Benita yeah. Day. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I don't know. You can go, uh, go three for three here. Okay. All right. I thought that was my toughest one. Uh, two teams just cracked 20,000 goals all time being scored. 
I think it was the, was it the Red Wings and the Bruins? Uh, so it's no surprise that the top six teams for NHL goal scored all time are all original six teams. Right. Who's number seven? Mmm. Mmm. It's got to be Pittsburgh. Final answer? Son of a bitch. I'm trying to think of the draft. Yeah, I'll go with Pittsburgh. It's got to be Pittsburgh. Yeah. yeah, it's Pittsburgh. Yeah, it was going to be. It was either Pittsburgh or Washington. But I'm glad I didn't go Washington because they were yeah, well, yeah. horseshit when they yeah. first started out. Pittsburgh, they've got two, like, dynasty well, Mario Lemieux. Either, what, 67 or something like that? Yeah, you got Mario Lemieux on one yeah. side. You got Yager on the other. And then you got Crosby and Malkin. Ooh, yeah. That's a lot of that's, goals. Ron yeah. Francis. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, there's Rick Tockett. There's tons of talent on that team. <laughs> Big time. Two for two. That that was, yeah, they were my guests. I, I had a couple teams. But Pittsburgh was yeah. the top team I had. I, I thought it was too, but. That team, Damon just talked about, man. That's the team that broke my heart as a kid against the Blackhawks. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, crushed, absolutely crushed, big time. <laughs> okay, this is like a true or false, yes or no type of question. Okay, Jeff Be- Bezos. Okay, richest man in the world, right? He is worth a hundred, according to Forbes.com, a hundred and ninety-seven point nine billion dollars. Ridiculous. Yeah. So if he took his Amazon stock worth, whatever it was worth, converted it all to cash in $100 bills, would that fill an Olympic pool or would it come short of it? Would it come like overfilling it or be less than an Olympic size pool? Okay, so $197 billion if he had it in $100 bills. Yeah. So basically, Olympic size pool? No, it wouldn't yeah, fill. It wouldn't fill. Money in the world. No, it wouldn't fill. We're gonna say he's gonna fill like two nope. pools. I'll tell. Nope, it wouldn't fill. Final answer. <laughs> yeah, I'm going with it. I don't think okay. it would fill. Okay. To fill an Olympic size pool would take two hundred and nineteen billion dollars. Yeah. So oh, that's what I thought. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, I knew it. I no, no, no. I, I, the only reason why I say this is because I, I actually read out a stat on my show this morning. Um, and, and it's kind of not related, but this is why it made me think of it. There is only, like, if, if you gathered all the money in the world, it would only be about 8% of the actual cash. Like, actual cash in the world is 8% of all the money in the world. The rest is all online. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Yeah. So that, was, that wasn't that wasn't what the question was. No, asked. it wasn't. No, but that's kind of what I was going off of. And okay. also, like you always see movies where they bring out like suitcases of money, and it's supposed to be like this giant fucking amount of money, but it's never like it's it's way yeah. less than what it is. I've seen and an Olympic pool is huge. Oh yeah, I've seen the visualizations of, uh, um, like how much. Like you take a stack of ten thousand yeah. dollars, which is a hundred hundred dollars bills, yeah. and then you do a million, yeah, and then you do like it's underwhelming, billion. and then you do ten billion, and yeah. then just like you compare it to that one small stack of ten thousand or the small stack of a million, and compare it to how much money 
these other people actually have and yeah. it just sick yeah so bezos sure. is what he's what 20 million dollars short or 20 billion short of uh filling that pool what was the math there yeah yeah so in about three but, weeks yeah oh. that's ridiculous <laughs> and, to think, goals, eh? and to think his oh, divorce cost him half of that eh not I even know, half of that. That's what he has after the divorce. No, he yeah, that's what he has after. He yeah. paid out thirty five billion. Yeah, and she has like charities, right? Big, oh, big time. Yeah, big time. It's Good great. For her. Just, yeah, I agree. All right, All right I got to roll here. Crazy numbers. Woo! Crazy numbers. I, I know. know. Can you imagine taking thirty five million dollars in a divorce settlement and probably not? That's not your fair share. Thirty five billion. <laughs> yeah. Billion. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. Probably could have <laughs> got a lot more. Yeah, she probably could have got 60, yeah. 60 billion. That's crazy. It's, it's like unreal. uh uh Dr. Evil, like like when you get to that much money. <laughs> One million dollars. <laughs> yeah, I know. Everybody laughs and, at him. If somebody married me and left me, they might get sixty dollars out of my bank <laughs> yeah, account. <laughs> yeah, will oh, you marry God. me, buddy? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, question number one. All right. Alex Ovechkin, uh, Ovechkin scored his 22nd goal of the year on Tuesday against Philly. He now has um, 40 goals against them in his career, and that and they became the sixth team that he's done that against. Okay. Okay. So Ovechkin has scored 40 goals against six other franchises. Okay. Who are they? Nope. nope. Okay. That's not the question. Okay. Who leads the NHL record book for most franchises a player has scored 40-plus goals against with 10? I'm going to give you answers. Is it Marcel Dion? Is it Phillips, uh, Phil Esposito? Or is it Wayne Gretzky? Is it Marcel Dion? Is it Phil Esposito? Or is it Wayne Gretzky? Do you, do you, get, you get the question, yeah. right? I, I get the question, okay. yeah. Good. 40 goals against 10 franchises. I don't know. It's tough to go against the all-time NHL leading goal scorer, so I'm going to say Gretzky. I don't think it is, though. Final answer? Yeah. It is not It's Esposito. It is Esposito, yes. There you go. My guess was going to be Lemieux before you rattled off options. Oh, Lemieux's not even – I don't think he's on the, the list. Like he is somewhere, but yeah. uh, question number two, when it comes to franchise seasonal point leaders, there are only two players in NHL history to lead two different franchises in most points scored in a season. Who are they? Does that make sense? Yeah. Only two players have led two different teams in scoring. In, 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 in scoring in a season. In, in a single season. Yeah. Uh, Gretzky is one. Correct. He scored 215 with Edmonton, and he scored 168 with LA. <laughs> Those <are> ridiculous numbers. <laughs> oh, yeah. Who's the second player? Was it Solani with Winnipeg and Anaheim? Hey, yeah. it is. Solani nice. yeah. with the Jets, Yotes with 132, and Anaheim he scored 109 points against crazy <laughs> paul korea is on that list of uh players that has the overall 
record for most points scored in a season? It's not with Anaheim. Paul Correa uh, is the Nashville Predators all-time point leader with 85 <laughs> points in a season. There you go. Huh. Crazy, Crazy, eh? I wouldn't have known that. No. Um, I'll give you. I'll give you your team's winner. Chicago. Who do you think Chicago is? Kev. This one is. This one is like. Oh, okay. Probably not Hall. It's not Hall. The Ronick? Nope. Kane. It is Dennis Savard. Dennis Savard. Yeah, one hundred and thirty-one points. That makes sense. And Brad, who who's the all-time leader for the Flames? Uh, I would I I'd be very I'd be impressed if you got this. I don't think it's a Ginla. Nope. Uh, just want me to give it to you? I, no, 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 no. I don't think it's Flirty either. Nope. <laughs> We're just gonna Doug be... Gilmore. No, it's not Doug Gilmore. Kent uh, Nilsson oh, with hundred and thirty-one points. And for the Habs, it's Guy Lafleur with 136. There, those don't even go. seem like real point totals. You, I know, right? You see here in today's point stats, eh? Like Doug Gilmore does lead the Leafs overall with 127. Oh, okay. Okay. Um. All right. Question number three. Here you go. By what nickname was Edward Teach better known as? Edward teacher. Teach. Nope. I already know who Edward Teach is. <laughs> you do. That you do by up. his nickname. So do you this want is take... the equivalent of calling Gumby Darwin. Is what you're saying. Nobody knows the guy's real name. It's he's strictly you are a nickname correct. guy. You are correct. Yeah. Yeah. I'll give you a hint. I just gonna give it away. He's a pirate. Who's the most famous pirate you know of? Like, like legitimate. Like legitimate pirate of the high seas, uh, and no, not Jack Sparrow. <laughs> yeah, no. Like actual pirate. Really, Brad? Like, do you have a guess on this? Like, are we talking fictional character? No, like a real like, pirate. Water. Really? Yeah. Blackbeard. I was gonna say Long John Silver. <laughs> Long John Silver would be a good guess, but no, you've never heard of Blackbeard. I don't think so. Really? Yeah. Wow. Should I have? <laughs> I don't know. I thought I didn't. I didn't even. Brad I thought needs, it was my. Brad, Brad needs to look up his his pirate history here a little <laughs> bit. Get some education. I guess yeah. I like. I guess I liked uh, Pirates of the Caribbean much more Speaking than you did. Of pirates. Did you see Hulk Hogan and Titus and Neil dress up as pirates at WrestleMania? <laughs> oh, brother, brother, brother. Can we talk about how Hulk Hogan got booed at WrestleMania? Hulk Hogan got booed at WrestleMania. Like, yeah. hard. Isn't yeah. he a Florida resident, too? Yes. He's a Tampa resident, yeah. Wow. Now, he's, granted, how is, much of that crowd was from Tampa, that's another story. Yeah. But, but still. Wrestling like, community is just not willing to forgive him for those comments that he made back when it, to his son there. So, Wow. Sorry, what, what comments did he make? Uh, when his son was uh, in jail... He had a talk to him on a prison phone that got recorded and it goes into uh, watching out for those N word. Yeah. He dropped the N word quite a few times in there. And he also with his daughter, uh, there was a comment made about 
someone she was I, seeing, the only reason i'd want her to marry a black guy would be if he was in the nba and made a lot of money or something like something yeah. along those lines like, so yeah. there's he's apologized and tried to make amends for it but he said some pretty hurtful things for, and, yeah, you, and that's some of the yeah. wrestlers have forgiven him some haven't that's yeah. not for me to say whether they should or shouldn't so how long ago was that not that long uh, ago well was it five years ago no more than that like was it yeah i thought it was i thought it was recent yeah no it's 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 probably 10 but still it's terrible yeah brutal all right there you go that's that's all we got for you here on the high and wide podcast. Ended on a high note yeah ended on a high note (laughs) (laughs) all right uh, what do we got playing us out here uh, absolutely not. Well, yeah, I think we I think we should be played out with a little Katy Perry tonight. A little actually. Katy Perry. Let's, this yeah. is California. <laughs> California girls. <laughs> no, nothing playing out this week. Uh, we will be having an outro song soon, but we gotta we gotta produce that. But uh, more of a just a 10 30 second kind of like let let's get out of here kind of thing. But uh yeah um make sure to make sure to come and find us on the internets uh you can find the high and wide podcast at high and wide podcast on instagram and on twitter if you like what you hear throw us uh, a mention let us know what you liked what you didn't like what we can talk about in the future all that kind of stuff and uh if you uh go and listen to our podcast either on spotify or on um apple podcast then drop us a five star rating so that uh i don't know what that does for us but why not let's have some fun with that share um, share, share exactly yeah. share yeah. share tell your friends yeah. let's uh we want to build this podcast up for and, you guys because we're having yeah. fun with it and you should too and apparently the comments are very important when it yes. when it comes to the whole algorithms of what podcasts get brought up where so big time don't even have to tell us anything about the podcast tell us what you had for lunch doesn't yeah. matter. They just they just want words in there. So and, and I want to know so that I can have something delicious for lunch. <laughs> uh Brad, where can we find you? All right. I'm at B Carl607 on the Twitter machine and Instagram. <laughs> uh, after he didn't know his Instagram. And Kev, where can we find you one more time? Uh Big Kev HW Fantasy. There you go. And you can find myself, DSO67. That is on Instagram and on Twitter. We'll see you again next week. Peace, boys. Have a good one, everyone. Peace, boys. Peace.